All right, BizzleCast listeners, this is the Bizzle. Usually at this point, you'd be getting a choice nugget from the podcast to tease you and then go into the glorious Rogue One music or straight into the Rogue One music. But for this podcast, I, I felt like I had to do a... Very brief uh, prelude, just to say that I never like to shit on things that other people love, and I love Star Wars, and Attack of the Clones, this movie, is just the one Star Wars movie, like literally the one that I just cannot stand, and it's so hard for me to watch, I, I don't understand almost anything about it and the decisions that were made. So, if you are listening, uh, and you also have critiques of the movie, then you might enjoy some new ones. Uh, if you are a lover of this movie, well stand by me I, I definitely am never hateful uh, ever um, when I give film critiques especially about the things that I love uh, and that's why I hold them uh, to a, such a high standard also uh, I just moved into a new apartment with new noises and Simi was having some uh, electronic problems so you're going to definitely hear some of uh, his television uh, which got increasingly loud as it went along but, uh, but we have a great time on this so I hope you enjoy this and for the moment so as always thank you for joining me enjoy the podcast kick back and relax the force is strong and is with us always and never forget we have hope rebellions are built on hope they have no idea we're coming take hold of this moment the force is strong Make ten men feel like a hundred. I'll take the next chance. And the next time. You're all rebels, aren't you? Save the rebellion! Save the dream! The Bizzle! Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzlecast, welcome to a podcast that I can't say I thought I would never do because I actually did this three years ago and never released it for reasons that will become clear, and that is indeed a full-length commentary for Attack of the Clones, which after this release will leave only Return of the Jedi uh, to be re released in the series of the Bizzlecast film commentaries. I am here, of course, with my boy, the, uh, uh, riding into battle. I couldn't do this with anybody else with this movie. Simi Klimo. Simi, welcome to Attack of the Clones. And I just would love to get your initial thoughts and expectations here. Wow. Thanks for having me, dude. Uh, thoughts and expectations. Um, I have been holding out... To watch this one for so I'm uh, kind of excited. I don't think I've seen it in about a month. Um, so you know, maybe even two months. So there's all these like little things that um, I'm sure I kind of forgot, and I, I kind of wanted to come in here a little a little blind. So I'm excited. I am. I'm hesitant to say this, but I was thinking that I'm going to have to defend some of this one and uh, against some of your attacks. Um, but then I was thinking that this one is actually not necessarily my favorite one of these three either. So we're just going to let it rip. And I think, but I do know there are things that I really like in this movie. Mm -hmm. That's for certain. So we're going to emphasize those. I think let's try not to 
yeah. punch it too hard where it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's less Gungan stuff in this one, but then there, there's Hayden. And then, you know, I like the little kid Skywalker a little bit more. So there's all these give and takes in why you do and don't like some of these, uh, of these threes, mm-hmm. of, the, of this three. But I think in the end, I, I think I'm going to enjoy it with you. And that's what I'm hoping to do. And mm-hmm. with our listeners as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was thinking we would do a long intro, but you know what, man? The more I think about it, I think we're gonna get a lot, we have a lot of airtime. It's fucking two hours and a half for Attack of the Clones, so we're gonna have plenty of airtime to talk about. Um, so I, here's what we're gonna do, Simmy. So you know, I've discovered over the last few months the key to uh, letting my guests talk more and getting things moving is for me to sort of give my piece, then I'm gonna let you give your sort of final piece in the intro, and then we'll jump in into it. Is that is that okay? Yeah, man. So, Let's do it. Okay. So let me just run through this. So before before The Force Awakens uh, came out, I did commentaries for all six Star Wars movies that had existed up to that point. I was so-so on The Phantom Menace. I had to do Attack of the Clones in like three or four sittings because I really couldn't stand it. Um, uh, I put an asterisk there because I want to come back to that. And as I told you off Mike Simi, as I mentioned to Jedi Geek Girl, when I did... Um, revenge of the sith in tw- back in 2015 having not seen it for many years i tried to be all snarky and sarcastic through the first 10 minutes and i, I just ultimately was like wow this is actually a pretty great star wars movie and, and other than some cringeworthy moments no oh, for the most part attack of the clones is it i mean uh revenge of the sith is a pretty dope movie and is not you know super low on my list now simi i will say after I've, we've done commentaries you and i for rogue one which we which we fucking love uh i did one for last jedi with jedi geek girl which she loves more than me um but i still really like a lot i did a second force awakens commentary um this time with jedi geek girl and we had a great time doing that she ended up liking it more than she remembered i did empire strikes back by myself you and i did um a very entertaining uh which i re-listened to recently uh new hope commentary um which i think you and i both took a lot of new stuff out of which is always great uh but simi I have to say, I did Phantom Menace and released it in the last week or two with Jedi Geek Girl and had a blast. I had so few real major, even with the kid in the midichlorians and stuff, I had so few major criticisms with all of the, the black, bleak, colorless, dark, unfun movies of the last 20 years. It was really hard for me to get worked up in a negative way. And then by the time you get to Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul, you're like... This is actually a pretty decent Star Wars movie, so I am actually optimistic that I let me put it this way, Simi. I'll throw it to you for final intro thoughts, and we'll get into commentary. This is the most positive I've ever been coming into watching Attack of the Clones. Most of that is because a having just done Phantom Menace and liking it more than I remember, and b doing this with you. So go ahead, and then we'll we'll count listeners in. Well, I, I'll always remind everyone that, like for me at least. I just want more of it. Like even some of the, you know, bad sequels of who knows what kind of film, like I want to see more of it. Like if I like the story and I like the storyline, I'll stick with it. Like people, some people had a problem with some of the matrixes. Some people had problems with, um, all different like, uh, uh, sequels and like, why did they do it? Why didn't they do it? By the way, Deadpool two is better than Deadpool one. Definitely Um, better than Deadpool one rarity, but it's true. Um, also, I, rewatched, 
sorry, rewatched Matrix Reloaded uh, with my best friend Smiley, who's in town, uh, who um, hadn't seen it since the theater like many years ago, and he was like, "Holy shit, this movie is great!" So you just never know. Exactly. So I'm excited, and and that's the thing when we're comparing these and say, "Oh, these movies are awful," we're not comparing them, or at least I'm not comparing them to. Um, all other movies. I'm comparing them to the other Star Wars movies and the other Star Wars uh, features that that exist. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not comparing it to like, but I still watch these movies all the time. Like I'm still, you know, I watch these ones less than the other ones, but still, like it's uh, it's still a lot of fun, and I do enjoy them. So uh, you know, without for, further ado, let, let let's enjoy it together. But so, but just just before I count us down, Sammy. We, we we should point out that that and we'll, just for so we have a comparison as this goes along. Historically, you have enjoyed the prequel slightly more than me, and, and you I would I would say in, enjoyed this movie in the past slightly more than me. Yes, but this is I think it's my least favorite of the three. I, I do like spoiler alert the ending of up until this point and we'll talk more about it like there weren't a lot of jedis even in the last movie there weren't mm-hmm. a lot of jedis you just see glimpses of the council and uh you know and and then lots of uh qui-gon and and, and lots of obi-wan and and like great scenes with with dark maul but you know this one they really you know carve into it you get to see a lot of jedis you get to see a lot of jedis in action and um you know that you know up until this point when you just had the original uh, trilogy, and then you know uh, episode one, th- there was really you'd seen what uh, Yoda, uh, Obi Wan, and Luke gain his power, but yeah. like really, what other like actual Jedi's and Darth Vader, um, you know, as a as a Sith Lord, and, and then you know you just didn't see a lot of the Force, you didn't see a lot of those things. So yeah. um, this was the first one where there's a ton of it, and I, I'm that yeah. I'm always excited to see and look for things that I didn't notice before mm-hmm. and look for different characters. Now that there's so many different, uh, yep. uh, uh, different, uh, Disney, uh, venues to watch star Wars on and different properties. Um, you know, you can see glimpses of all of them in, in all these three movies. They don't have big roles, but they're there, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun. Word. Okay, guys. Well, I'm going to take us into the countdown, but I am going to give the disclaimer that's normally implicit just by listening to the Bizzlecast, but I really want to stress here, which is I never like to shit on th- things that other people love. I will not be mocking this movie. I may be critiquing it quite a bit, but I'm not going to mock it or make fun of it. And as I've said to me in recent podcasts, uh, the, the quality of, uh, of special effects from this era, bother, uh, you know, whether they're you know okay or not good, by me way less than they used to be i I like things that are just colorful and fun so that's not going to be a criticism the main one is going to be the writing and of course the natalie hayden christensen relationship quote unquote that's going to be the hardest thing for me not to critique otherwise i'm going to really try and have a fun time and i love watching these movies with friends and to me i think you'll agree even a subpar star wars movie when you watch with a friend who loves star wars is always a great time absolutely absolutely i'm excited Let's do it. All right. So, guys, uh, if you've come this far and you're listening to the Attack of the Clones commentary, you probably know this, but I got to do it for the people. So here's how it works. 
whether it's a digital file, Blu-ray, DVD, whatevs, you queue it up to zero hours, zero minutes, and zero seconds. I'm going to suggest you put a little bit of ambient sound on. Uh, definitely put subtitles on. Uh, I'll leave the sort of balance between of those two, um, be- uh, between those two, to you, depending how you want to experience it while listening to us. Um, I'm going to count from three to two to one, and I'm going to say the word "go." And when I say "go," you should hit play, and it should line up pretty well. Um, and uh, well, Simi is even going to. Um, I've been having my uh, when I've been doing co. Uh, contributors doing uh, commentaries have them sort of count into the first you know seven seconds or so so to make sure that you're lined up and then we'll uh, right around the uh, 20th century fox logo you'll you'll see that you're lined up and we're gonna have a great time together so it all sound good to you simmy yeah man i'm ready to rock all right guys well i hope you are queued up uh pause if you have to i'll come back when you're ready and join me and simmy for what should be a really fun time with attack of the clones commentary presented by the Bizzlecast. here comes the countdown simmy and Mm -hmm. three two one go three four lucasfilms limited is now disappearing beautiful here we go Long time ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you I turn down your good. sound just a tad? Yes. How's Wait. it doing now? Good. You good? Mm-hmm. All right, people. So, let's do go. it, guys. Woo! Party time. Excellent. Episode two. All right, Simi. Uh, you're you're going to take the lead on this one. So... The Attack of the Clones. This is actually, I was actually trying to read up about this. I think the time when he actually is growing up till now uh, would be really, really interesting. I mean, because that's a lot of the other things they left out that are super cool. Um, So, like, I think Anakin is really interesting, and I think this jump was a little much. But, um, you know, it's still a fun point to kind of pick up as because it's Mm -hmm. things are getting hot. Uh, you know, Amidala is, is now the senator, um, so she actually has real power opposed to uh, elected power, so she's actually doing stuff in the Senate, and, um, the, you know, this is, uh, this is actually a fun little part here with uh, the give and take when they see each other mm-hmm. uh, after such a long time. So I am excited for the reunion, yep. and I am excited for this movie. Yeah, and one of the coolest parts of the movie happens at the very beginning, actually, um, um, so I have two two major challenges to this movie, Simi, that has nothing to do with the other criticisms like the chemistry or the special effects. Two major challenges are the pacing of this movie. And this already looks great, special effects-wise. Um, uh, the pacing. But also, dude, my main challenge is, could you go from The Phantom Menace to Revenge of the Sith, and how much do you lose other than world building? I'm not saying uh, th- that's true or I'm right, but that's a challenge. No, it's interesting. I also think what's great, you were saying this looks great. The planes, um, you know, they took what they did well, which were those, those speeders. That was the same speeder that uh, Anakin's flying at the end uh, accidentally into that battle that he happens to explode that, mm-hmm. uh, that space station <laughs> on accident. But they, they were like, okay, we did this really well, and the design of these planes is really realistic and the lighting is excellent. and they look yep. 
fucking sleek and yep. yeah, a little cartoonish at this point. No, I like uh, it. I used to not like the Canary ships, but I like them now. You oh, know I what? really like the Canary Dude, ships okay. because of that scene with Anakin. Okay, we're about to have a scene here, but do you know what movie made me realize how good the spaceships look in the prequels in general? Which one? Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, right. His ship is very much so. Wow. But you the know, final I, battle of Guardians of the Galaxy, other than the giant fireball, looks actually worse than the prequels in a lot of areas. Made me appreciate it. Okay, here we go. Right. Uh. Boom. This is, guys, this is eight months after 9-11. I just want to point that out. Well, that's interesting. Thanks for the context. And it... it, it Lucas gets more political as the movies go along, it, not just to be heavy-handed, but in response to the Bush administration. Right, there's the Natalie Portman. That's not Natalie Portman. Oh, there she is. This is, I said, Simi, as cute as she is in Phantom Menace, this is Natalie Portman actually really looking like Natalie Portman. I like Natalie Portman with a gun, and I don't even like guns. Well, I think I, like in the last episode, I, I think strong, empowered female characters with guns is something you and I both share a love of. I dig the vest. I don't love her dreadlocks, but she's gorgeous. I mean, but just in her face, you know, she had that trubic baby face in Phantom Menace, which is great. But it's also great that she's a woman. And one thing I will, I will give credit to having her step down as the queen, even though it disempowers her a little bit. All right, I'm gonna shut up. I'll come back to that. Here we go. So the politics of the prequels make sense after many rewatchings of all of the prequels, but th- at the time it really made no sense. So this is what I was just talking about. These are great glimpses of awesome characters, like like Kit back there, or uh, or Plune Plocoon. Plocoon. Yep. Plocoon. Yep. Plocoon is the one who found uh, Ahsoka mm-hmm. on her planet, and yep. there was actually like a great story about how Ahsoka, uh, someone else, pretended to be the Jedi and tried to kidnap her, and blah 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 blah. But Plone is the one who actually finds her and he's one of the coolest Jedis and um, I, I don't know, I love that, I wish that he had more of a scene and you know, the fears about the, how aliens are going to look when they try to do Ahsoka you know, Kit looks alright he looks a little too squid-like but good, you know it's not too bad and and, 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 uh, and Plone looks good so, you know, and this is, look at this, it's, you're just being bombarded with, with all sorts of aliens. And then, of course, you, you really only saw Yoda a little bit in the first uh, movies, and now you're actually seeing him as, like, a regular character, which is fun. I mean, I'm also, as much as I love Han, like, I, I'm like, you know, Yoda I always thought was, you know, like, I joke about being the Zen master of everything. So, like, you know, you actually get to get used to Yoda as a character, which was mm-hmm. really fun at this time. And last movie, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. Two things. Two things, Simi. Two things. First of all, we w- we're not going to d- d- uh, dwell, uh, linger on the specifics of the politics too much because the entire point of the entire prequel trilogy is that this guy Palpatine is just confusing everybody, just like the audience is confused. Up, oh, Jimmy Smith, baby. Woo! Oh God, I love him. I'm rewatching Sons of Anarchy right now. Dude, every time I watch Rogue One and he walks in and he and she looks at him and senses something and the force music plays, I get chills. Oh my god, to the right, that's what's her name? That's Rose. Um, she's she's a fucking famous actress. Hold on. Just to the right of Padme. That 
she's been, I wish I had that TV that does that thing where you lift up the thing and you just like hit a button and it just shows everybody on the screen. So okay, man. Okay, because I want I, I want to get I want to get some some balls in motion here. Um, first of all, they're already toning back Jar Jar. He's barely in the third one. As I said in Phantom Menace, dude, Jar Jar is like never really bothered me. I understand why he's become the symbol of what people hate about the prequels. He doesn't bother me personally a lot, but really quickly, Simmy. I want to put. Uh, I want to just put out there that the politics make no sense, and that's specifically because Palpatine is trying to confuse everyone within the movie, but it also ended up confusing the audience and, and worked against the movies. Yeah, I mean, I didn't kind of really appreciate the plot as much as I did, you know, later on when I was first watching these movies. It, it's hard to figure out because, like, they're playing. You know, he's playing both sides of the court, and like, how is he doing that? And mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, he's pretty devious. His downfall is and his demise, uh, you know, it takes a long time for him to get there, but he is just the ultimate villain. Like, you know, I almost think that the the end isn't as deserving as it should be. He just kind of gets thrown down a, you know, uh, a shoot or like in a little abyss. I'd almost like kind of wanted it to be a little bit more drawn out, maybe a head chopped off, maybe a little bit more violent, like, I almost expect him to be able to fly and come mm-hmm. back to life. So, <laughs> okay. So we'll, we're going to talk about Hayden in a second. Um, Natalie looking gorgeous. This is of course creepy, right? I mean, she was so much, she's technically 14 in the Phantom Menace, according to Jedi geek girl, who's the lore master, but she's 17 in reality with a nine year old kid, it, 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 which, you know, this happens in real life and they're both adults now, but it's still a little weird. Yeah, I mean, there was always, it's a little weird to have a brother and a sister kiss each other as well, you know, um, knowing that they're going to find out later that they were brother and sister to have a, you know, a sexual kiss. Um, so yeah, there's a couple weird things in this, absolutely, in the whole story, you know? So, you know, I, I, guys, again, I'm not going to assume you've seen the Phantom Menace commentary. I won't repeat it too much, but I have to re- uh, visit uh, and reintroduce some of the themes. One of them is Palpatine's plan is ingenious, which is he is using Count Dooku, who is using the Trade Federation, um, and, you know, obviously he was using Maul, who's now dead temporarily or so forth. Like, Palpatine's entire plan is brilliant in the grand scheme. The question, Simi, is did we need a trilogy explaining all of these politics leading up to the original trilogy? No, of course not, but it's fun. I have a question. When did he, re- did he, re- was he always recruiting uh, Count Dooku? Well, it, so Count Dooku um, was actually well, a member of the, him after. No, no, Dooku was a member of the Jedi Council who left, right? Um, and then was sort of on his own, and then I guess became the apprentice of Palpatine. Uh, this I wish I had a geek girl to explain the lore of. You well, know, there's, there can be only two. No well, that's more, what I'm no saying. Less. So was right, he also? So, I think he was maybe cultivating Dooku. I think he knew Maul was going to die. I think he saw Maul as just a, a sharp edge to use for a certain purpose. But he was he was cultivating Dooku on the side w- would make sense to me. Got it. I mean, you know, Vader Vader was cultivating Luke, you know, while supposedly serving the Emperor. Right. So we'll 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 kill the Emperor and we'll rule the galaxy together. Basically, all right. Here's Blade Runner stuff. Okay, so 
the openings, I think what really took me out of this movie on initial viewings, it was the chase scene through Coruscant was way less thrilling uh, and believable that, uh, looking than I thought. So it'll be interesting to rewatch it here. That, yeah, that was some of my, my criticism a while ago on one of our original podcasts. Yeah. However, Sumi, one thing I meant to bring up the intro, which we'll do now really quickly, is um, because of the Clone Wars, because of Rebels, because of the, spoiler alert, reintroduction of Maul, and we think Ahsoka's coming to the movies, we might get the Siege of Mandalore, all that stuff. Uh, let's. I think one cool thing you and I could be looking for here aren't just Easter eggs, but like connections to characters that ap- appear in the animated series and, and so forth that could be important going forward. I I'm not a fan of the the snakes thing coming up here, but that's just because I hate slugs and snakes. Oh, I actually love this part. I actually don't like the chase scene as much. I I thought it was a little drawn out. Basically, I do like. Uh, I do like some of the homages that they pay when they go into the, the bar looking for the woman, but, um, or sorry, looking for the assassin. Uh, so but yeah, I thought this scene yeah. pretty cool. And I also, let's just comment on the scenery, the backdrops. I mean, I mean, this looks great bad. here. No, this, this looks great this, right here. This doesn't look bad. I, I, like I said in the preview and I will keep saying everything looks better than I remember. And I have a much different view of, of things but what is undeniable and natalie portman man i want to bring this up right now natalie portman has admitted that she has trouble acting in heavy cgi environments where you know like natalie is best in brutally realistic roles whether it's playing jackie onassis kennedy or in black swan you know like very grounded dramatic roles but when it's thor or this she does have trouble with cgi and she's talked about having trouble with it um and so you know this is not to excuse all you assholes out there who somehow think the mistakes of the prequels have anything to do with natalie portman you can go fuck yourself but she has admitted as an actress who's won an academy award by the way uh, that th- these types of movies are challenges for her. Um, and we'll talk about how V for Vendetta was the movie that resurrected her career. We'll get back to that. All right, here we go. And also, you just listed off some of my, like, you know, not the best movies in the world, but some of my favorite movies. Like, I love the Thor sequel. I love all the whole I love Thor her and Thor, too. Yeah. And I love V for Vendetta. Like, that's probably... Dude, dude nerds, insecure male nerds love blaming Natalie Portman for the prequels and, and Thor to a lesser extent. I don't understand it. Thor was great. She was great. Oh, God, go fuck yourself, kids. These children. Yeah, guys, just be ready for a heavy dose of Natalie worship and protection and defense in this. So just be warned. Seriously, and if there's someone you're interested in, don't punch them or stalk them. Just say hello, and if yeah. they're interested, they'll say hello back, and then you go from there. I mean, Carrie yeah. Fisher, f- f- ha- ha- because of her early fame at age 19, had a life p- problem of drugs and drinking and so forth. Natalie has been very stable. I met her father once at a... Uh Israel Day rally at some fundraiser. Very nice guy. Interesting that the two uh, b- the the two princesses of Star Wars are both Jewish. <laughs> right, of course they are. Yeah, and Wonder Woman, but who's counting? All the major figures at Lucas are 
Jewish, Irish, or Italian. Not. Uh, it's just funny because me and my friends always talk about the similarities between Jews and Ir- Irish and Italians. All right, here we go. This looks pretty good to me. And I do like uh, actually how it's. There, this is what Obi Wan would do. Like he was very much like this. You know, like you'd almost expect Anakin to do this sort of thing, and Obi Wan being like, no, 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 don't do that. But like he's like. Mm-hmm. I'm following this, and like he just runs, mm-hmm. you know, like he he's uh all right. he's playing the role of bodyguard, and he's doing all a great right. job. So here here's my opening salvo about Hayden Christensen. On on many years of stewing on these movies, and really starting to like Revenge of the Sith more and more over the years, I've, I've softened a bit on my criticism of Hayden, especially in Revenge of the Sith. But it's undeniable, man, when you see Anakin in the Clone Wars. It feels like Lucas didn't get the guy he wanted because you see the guy he got for to play to play hated um, to play Anakin in the Clone Wars, and while flawed and dark is much more likable and relatable. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe it's not his fault. I mean, he kind of like looks like the mold of what mold mold of what no he wanted no no fault no i want to make this clear right now i'm not blaming anything on hayden i blame all everything i'm everything i'm critiquing in this movie i'm blaming on george lucas or or critiquing like he he looks like he could play the role but he just i just don't know if he really got it necessarily and he just but why play it as he played it as this like angsty (sighs) teen versus you know like this uh uh what's the word internal conflict person you know like but luke skywalker like he, he should have been a little harder no 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 because luke skywalker in 1977 whether you were five or 15 or 25 or 35 or 45 everyone related to luke skywalker no one but little kids related to uh to hayden so that's an th- interesting point that's a problem Right? Because we talked about New Hope. What is one one thing we say in New Hope is that even when Luke's being whiny, it's never grating or takes you out of it. Right. He's able to, because he's also a kid and this is also super new for him. I guess my expectations would be higher for Anakin because he's been in this for a little while. You know what I mean? And he's still mm-hmm. just kind of like a whiny bitch. Can sometimes. I give you my theory about why he gets much and better I, in revenge? And com- yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Real quick. And I'm comparing him to the cartoon version who I really enjoyed. In Matt Lanter. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what he's up against. He's up against a fucking cartoon. You can't it's possibly bad. conceive of this kid training Ahsoka mm. Tano, but the, the, the Anakin that we get in the Clone Wars, you can totally understand training Ahsoka Tano. Well, maybe that was the point. Maybe like, but maybe it was a corrective. Just the, I'm saying the right. fact that there was a right. corrective is I- indicating that there was a problem. That's what I'm saying. Right. Okay. Right. Here's here's my theory about Hayden. So this has already lasted too long, and that was my this is already too long. Although it does look better than I remember. I am watching on my computer, so it's not really fair. But dude, here's the thing about Hayden. Here's the thing. You ready? Mm-hmm. You add Star Wars, and then you add acting across Natalie Portman who had already been famous since she was a kid and Ewan McGregor, who was a huge star and getting more of a star. He He looks like a, he looks like a scared animal in this movie. 
He looks scared to me. I think his emotionlessness has less to do with poor skill and more to do with just he was scared, but he's more comfortable three years later in Revenge of the Sith, especially with Obi-Wan, and it just gets better. But he never gets the chemistry with Natalie Portman, which I'm not going to harp on until we get to the sand scene. But for the most part, it's clear Natalie Portman, who had already been nominated for an Academy Award at like 12 years old or whatever, and this guy, it just wasn't a good match. Who's she, by the way? Who is this woman? I like her. The assassin? Um, what's yeah. her name, actually? By the way, you, you remember in Solo, they mentioned how uh, uh, Woody's character, Beckett, killed Aura Singh? Yeah. Who was in uh, briefly in The Phantom Menace. She's in the Maul comic books. Uh, Cad Bane and Aura Singh work for Darth Maul, actually, in the underworld before Maul gets killed the first time. Is that Zam Wessel? What? This part wasn't bad. So he says, I hate it when he does that, which is supposed to be a world building technique. But like, I just, I just don't buy their chemistry in this movie, these two. And that's why actually when Obi-Wan goes off for most of the rest of the movie by himself, it gets better for Obi-Wan. I do like that one line when he's like, well, you know me, master. I just had a little time, tough time trying to figure out which speeder I wanted. Like that was, that's maybe the funniest give and take they have. I think Lucas gets the writing right in the third movie where he, Anakin is the one who wants to save everybody, but he's also the one willing to make the ruthless choices sometimes. Right. And then however Hayden Christensen did play a good psychopath in three. That's what I'm saying. Okay guys. So I'm going to repeat my theory while this action scene continues to go on which is they should have embraced Hayden Christensen's kind of creepy psychoness and made him sort of stalkery with Natalie Portman with, with Padme. And she did want to be friends and have a relationship, but not that kind of relationship and keep putting him off. That would have rang much more true to me. And you still could have had the like, Oh, we had too many drinks and slept together one night and produced a baby. It didn't need to be. A, I love you, Annie kind of thing, which never, ever, ever worked for me. That's the main problem of the entire prequel trilogy honestly is that luke is that dude let's be honest han and leia in the originals and now uh, whatever you think about kylo and ray they have a great complicated relationship this prequel did not establish it but why would she keep her creepy kid his creepy kid though well they're still her babies okay so she just wants to keep her kids Okay. No, I think she would always like him as a friend. Uh, the creepiness wouldn't be like, st- like actually like stalkery, right. okay. but like, I love you. Like Annie, stop it. Let's not do this kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it would be more subtle, but George Lucas is not known for a directing his actors strongly or B subtlety. So, or C like yeah. good romantic relationships. Yeah. Well, hey, that's I why, like, that's why the like last, Leia that's why, Leia and, um, Han, I do like yeah. that. But that's, you know, that's why the last Jedi sucks. Cause it's so subtle. So fuck Ryan Johnson. Right. <laughs> exactly. God, I hate those people. If you're listening to this and you hate the last Jedi, I mean, if you dislike it, you're welcome to stay. Anyone's welcome to stay. But if you hated it irrationally, you're probably not even still here. Here we go. This people either love or hate what comes up here in this little diner scene. I love it that you just said, I hate it. if you hate it irrationally, how would they know if they hate it irrationally? They're irrational. Exactly. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, you know what? Exactly. I'm so irrational. That was a Jedi mind trick. That was like a Yoda <laughs> thing. 
I do always love a good cantina scene. Oh, can I ask you an Empire Strikes Back question really quickly? Yeah. So, you know how I we discussed ad nauseum, um, I think in a good way, on, on our new hope, about when did Obi know what, when, why, when, and how, about the prophecy and so forth? Right. So, you know when Luke's saying, I gotta go to Cloud City, not complete my training, save my friends, and Yoda and Obi-Wan are both saying, no, stay completely your training? Right. I think when uh, Yoda's manipulating him to go to Cloud City and face Vader and save his friends... Because if you're a thousand-year-old Jedi like Yoda and can read into Luke's head and you've been trading this kid and you know he's kind of rebellious, it seems more likely to me that just like you postulated, you know, Obi-Wan tried various things that seemed to be telling Luke not to do something but actually telling him to do it, that Yoda was maybe actually telling Luke to follow his feelings but he couldn't say it because as soon as Luke comes back in Return of the Jedi, he's like, yep, you're a Jedi now, basically. No, I, that's what I've kind of always assumed that they like it was all a test, and, and maybe maybe they wanted to see what he was going to say or do, or if he was going to stay. But I don't think if he decided to stay, I don't think they were going to tell him. To, you know, I think they were. I think the whole thing was a test. They were going to mm-hmm. say what you know. They were going to put him in a bit of a pickle and see how yep. he dealt with it. And you know and, what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say maybe maybe they thought like a little bit more training would have done well, and maybe they thought that it was a little bit out of reach, but there was a chance he could do it. So you know they gave him the free will. You know, again, I love this homage. Uh, you know, where he's been there, done that, chopped someone's arm off. Um, what's also interesting in that Empire scene, Ben, when the Obi Wan Force Ghost appears next to Yoda, is Yoda actually defers to Obi Wan. He's so he seems so desperate for Luke to stay. He actually defers to Obi Wan to try and convince Luke to stay. That's how desperate Yoda is, or appears to be. All right, wait. Let's go jumping back here. Who hired? Uh, who hired you? She's not going to say shit. So again, the whole middle part of this movie has to do with bounty hunters and clones, none of which really adds up until you watch the Clone Wars. Whoa! <laughs> oh, wow. I forgot that. That scene always stuck with me. When her Interesting. Face well, because the dart is a big thing. He well, no. And- Did it- oh. oh, I thought she was a shapeshifter. Oh, interesting. Okay. She was. She was. That's why it did that. I mean... It did two things. One, it made her she, she it made her go back to her regular form, which I think is that because yep. they has that thing when they're in the plane and you see her look like that. You remember that? Yep. Okay. Let's look at the council. I do. I just want to look at the council. We see Plo Koon. We see a uh, member of Ahsoka species, who I always forget what they're called. Ahsoka's people are called to to um to to grutas to Yep. Yep. I hate the rat tail thing. I know it's a thing, but God, I hate it. Yeah, like Jar Jar Binks. Like Jar Jar Binks, the surface things that people rag on on this movie are the things that bother me the least. I, I mean, I don't love the rat tail, but or I don't even like CGI Yoda, but that's not the thing that bothers me. It's always about the writing and the characters. Now, here's the thing. Ian McDermott... 
almost saves like like between Ian McDermott and Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson the first movie almost saved this prequel trilogy by themselves their acting is so good and he has undeniable great chemistry with uh Hayden Christensen and some of my favorite scenes of the prequels like this one and like in the uh Cirque du Soleil scene in Revenge of the Sith are some of my favorite go ahead Simi Oh, I was also going to say he has some great uh, dialogue with uh, Padme, too. I always thought that was kind of cool in, uh, in episode one. I thought he was amazing. And uh, I love how, like, they slowly are changing him into the, you know, like, the way he looks. Even when you look at the, the view, yeah. he looks so much more evil in, like, what he's going. He almost looked like Bram Stoker's Dracula from I mean, this angle, like, in those cloaks <laughs> and everything. He's just being more Sith-like every day, you know? Okay, so this and, uh, this shot right here, we see when Ahsoka gets punished and she has to go to the Jedi archives for a while. Like we see her walk through some environments like this. So, Simi, can I bring in some lore here as they talk about how arrogant and unstable Anakin is? Is Coruscant is built on a giant Sith virgence. And while the Jedi claim to be aware of it, them locating to the political capital of the galaxy as the Jedi and on this giant dark side virgence is corrupting all of their minds and explains why these three guys here who should be so on to what Palpatine's doing, minds are clouded because he's drawing power from the virgence and they are being clouded by it. Sorry. The force is cloudy. It is. So... By the way, people Jar-Jar blame Jar-Jar, 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 Jar-Jar for for make for uh, king making Palpatine, but it's ultimately Padme's fault for trusting him. Well, the, you've heard that theory that Jar Jar is actually the Sith the whole time. He's not. Just read read the aftermath books. He's a fucking <laughs> Corchester. He also has yellow eyes though, and and the way he battles in the uh, uh, in the Gungans uh, versus the. Uh, 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 Roger Rogers, they, uh, he, he kills about, you know, a thousand of them like in, yeah, I don't know, 90 seconds. Just saying, just saying. All right. So here it begins. I'm still on board with the relationship here. He's already putting on the hard sell a little bit and she's kind of pushing him at a distance, but between now and when they're tied up at the end and she says, I love you or whatever, that's wh- where I think Lucas lost away with the writing for this stuff. I love her fucking hair. And by the way, Anakin actually gets wiser and more <laughs> laid back between now and Revenge of the Sith. Like there are some positive changes. But he's, yeah, he's bragging about being ahead of them in terms of the power. This should not turn her on. Based on her character in The Phantom Menace, Simi, this should not turn her on. This should scare her. Yeah, and also he should wait at least a day to, like, start doing this conversation. He's going to have plenty of time with her, you know? Although like he was living in a shithole and saw her at the and said, are you an angel? So I, I guess I can see it. Yeah, I mean, he does have mommy issues. But but I brought up that to Jedi Gate Girl when we were doing Phantom Menace. He says, you're an angel. I said, that's an amazing pickup line. She goes, how many times have you used that? I said, me? I'm too much of a fucking pussy to use that line. <laughs> you look like an angel. See, this it is works creepy. Better when you're nine, I though. would go dark, creepy. Right. She says, please don't look at me like that. It's set up to me for that. Yes. Why not? And then why not? Look at his creepy face. Look at his leer, right? 
So Lucas, Lucas is encouraging young boys to act this way towards women because eventually they'll give in. And then you kill younglings. Well, that's what? a whole, that's a whole different level. <laughs> the, his his attitude towards her in the third movie makes way more sense. Uh, this is yeah, that's what's her name. I'll I'll figure it out. I got it somewhere. What's Anna wearing a talus? God, what is he? Rose Byrne uh, is that woman I've been talking about. Oh, you were right. Yeah. Rose, you said Rose. She's fantastic. She's Australian. She was in Bridesmaids. She's in the X-Men movies. She's hilarious. She's awesome. Look at this poncho. It looked oh. like his cat peed on it or something. It's, maybe it's like a designer thing. I mean, you know? this is such a bad idea. I mean, Simi, explain to me from both a movie-making standpoint and a plot standpoint what's about to happen here with the, him guarding her they think is a good idea. I think they were, like you said, they were just gung-ho on creating this relationship instead of just making it, like, not a big deal. By the way, no offense to the guard with the eye patch. You know who sh- they should have gotten for that role? Who? You know Commander Locke from um, Matrix? God damn it, Morpheus. Oh, yeah. Not everyone believes what you believe. I need every goddamn ship. That's who they should have gotten. This is a lot of CGI, and I kind of like. I kind of like the CGI. This stuff doesn't bother me at all. Oh, well, here's no. Sorry, this is the diner scene. I don't mind the diner scene. It's it, no, it's fine. The, it's just an interesting question of you know, you and McGregor as a slightly older actor than Natalie Portman feels totally comfortable with all the stuff in all the movies, and she doesn't clearly. And Hayden sort of back and forth. It, it's an interesting thought. Because he comes from train spotting. You know, he comes from the opposite of this kind of movie. I love how he just pulled his pants up. What do you know? That mustache. Okay, so how does this guy look compared to, let's say, Ankar Plot on Jakku in episode 7? I think this is clearly a step down. But yeah. See, from that view, it looks good. But then, when you're just looking straight on, it looks like he's it looks like he's a cartoon, and he's it looks like he's a video game. Actually, I mean, as I dude, Simi, we talked about in our initial podcast. I don't know if you remember um, with the Ahsoka and the Clone Wars podcast that it almost felt like Lucas was experimenting with ideas in the prequels that he would then execute better in the Clone Wars. Yeah, as cartoons, because your brain can just click over to it. Like, if you, you know? look how Jabba is rendered in The Phantom Menace, it looks like the huts that we see in The Clone Wars. Oh, there's your... There's Sebulba's... Is that Sebulba or whatever? No, is, that's not... Yeah. Sebulba's more purple. I think he's just that... that, that um, okay, here comes the clone story. All right. All right, so in terms of lore, I really wanted to disentangle... Distangle? Disentangle the clones... And why the Jedi ever thought that they could trust this clone project that they had no knowledge of? 
And they're like, hey, let's just use the clones. This is actually a really cool scene. I like this. Oh, this and is I a like woman. The young, the no, young this is, no, no. In the Ahsoka episode I was telling you about, where they assign her to library duty as a punishment. It's this woman that she's working with. Yes. Dude, people have been criticizing Han Solo for being like too much fan service, but I'm telling you, you put Ahsoka Maul and Obi-Wan in a live action movie, people would eat that shit up. I truly believe that. I think it would be great. I also liked what they did with Maul in the brief thing that they did with him. Hell yeah. He looked way more like he, or his personality was way more like it is in uh, Rebels, which is amazing. I mean, his personality is, he has no personality really. He's just creepy in, in episode one. Yeah, the comic Rebels. books help flesh out the beginning of his personality, but he definitely, <clears throat> it definitely changes when he's reborn. It's a beautiful library. Fucking anti-droidism. You know, I said it once, I said it a thousand times. Their plight is ours. We need to fight for droid rights. This is their hole-in-the-wall date. You know? Oh, God. I'm, I, I'm just going to shut up. You talk for a while, Sammy. I'm going to shut my mouth. I was, I, I just, these are the awkward scenes and I was actually hoping you were going to talk over them, but <laughs> I mean, look, Hayden all, Christensen is clearly an extremely good looking guy. Yeah. But like they made him look not very masculine at all. And you know, we left him last. His last line was all just like, I'm a pouty girl. Like, he's just been so... Sorry, not that women are more pouty. That was sexist. I take it back. It's fine. It's fine. He's just being a pouty child again. So, you know... No, and, no, no. And, no, what you said is... What you're saying is he's not being... He's being pouty specifically the way a little girl would be pouty. That's all you're saying. I just think he's... I just think he's conflicted. I, that's how I imagine Anakin. Not... All right, here we go. This, this, these guys are all mince meat. <laughs> I have nothing. Oh God, poor kids. Oh, there is that great scene with Jimmy Smith though, where there's, he where he almost saves the one kid. Remember when he's saving? Yeah, there's also great scenes in Clone Wars with Ahsoka and these kids, and Obi Wan too. I think. Yeah. I'm looking. At... All, right. Oh, all right. So, so next reason why this movie was poorly conceived, Simi. We thought we were getting the Clone Wars in the prequel trilogy, and the fact that we didn't in any of the three movies, it was just implied, and we had to wait for a cartoon. This movie should have been Star Wars The Clone Wars, episode two, and that's what this movie should have been, and people would have gone nuts. They would have loved it. Somebody needs to make this and sell it. You know, a lamp where you put the ball on top of the light, and it does this to your bedroom. I mean, I feel like Tony Stark has this technology. <laughs> it's just lights. We also do see Yoda with the younglings again in Clone Wars and how great he is with them. I, I do like a ton of, I do like me a ton of Yoda and there is a ton of Yoda in, the, in these three. He's like an actual character. He's not, 
mm-hmm. you know, kind of glossed over or just did it part of the time or dying in the first hour, mm-hmm. you know. Can I, can, can I ask you a, uh, a sort of heady Jedi question? Yeah. So, you know, they say, oh, Anakin, he's too, he's too old. We can't train him, blah, blah, blah. He turns into Darth Vader. But then we get Luke, who's even way older, and he becomes the greatest light side Jedi of all time. And we also know the First Order takes all of their kids from birth as well as the Jedi do. So is this also sort of a subtle signal looking back now with all the lore and knowledge we have from all the movies, how fucked up this whole Jedi situation is that somehow uh, we just have to take kids from birth, essentially? Yeah, I mean, and considering what's going on in our country right now, it's yeah, it's kind of fucked up. But I guess it was looked at as, as... and like if they got led into the most elite school in the world well you know so i'm like a lot of people like will send their kids to you know berkeley and they live in texas and there are a lot of people send their kids to god from you know afghanistan you know from all over the world to to go to Mm -hmm. the schools that that we have in this country so Mm -hmm. you know i don't think it would be necessarily that different opposed to it starts when they're very young so it's a little institutional and a little scary but we talk about how we're we've always been questioning questioning the jedi religion and questioning like the whole institution of the jedis and whether they did it right and maybe that's why you know he brings balance to the force by eliminating them all and them starting over by the way maybe sorry noah's ark style Padme's costumes in the last two scenes and that and those frescoes and the the sidewalk there look great. I love the Middle Eastern Arabic vibe they got going on with her. Let's be honest, she's Israeli. She could pull off the Arabic vibe. Yeah, totally. But he looks like he's borrowing her clothes. He looks like he's from the Three Amigos. (laughs) What's on an ascot? I know what they wore a long time ago, far, far away. By the way, guys, uh, I said this to Simi. Go, go uh, look for the meme, I am Newt, where it's, it's Groot mixed with Newt Gunray. It's hilarious. <laughs> I do like right, how go. they dress up these women. I mean, look, George Lucas was ahead of the time. He's already worried about the failure of democracy in 2002, which was before we invaded Iraq and before the Patriot Act and things. Like, Lucas is definitely tapping into stuff that starts happening in the early mid two thousands with the Bush administration, and I will give him credit for that. And also, women in politics and women in power. You know, all these women have been you know strong, empowered women from Princess Leia to Queen Amidala to Senator Amidala. Do we need to go into why we think women are super empowered and, and stuff like no, that? No, I think uh, if they've lived to our physical the other nine. I mean, our, our, our joint obsessions between Ahsoka, Jin, Rey, uh, Padme, I think people know. All right. This is one of the coolest ship designs ever. I love this. This makes so much sense that you would have an apparatus for jumping, but then you could have a much smaller ship for atmospheric flight. I love the headgear that he's got. We see again the beginning. Simi, dude, I really... I kind of want to redo the Revenge of the Sith commentary with you because that will be us just going nuts, having fun. But th- this this technology, they definitely carry over. Um, I, I actually like one more. I, w- I would love to do one, uh, episode one. I, I like parts of... I think some of the best scenes in all three mm-hmm. are in... Uh, uh, 
Revenge of the Sith. I think the best movie is one, personally. Okay. So, this part's pretty cool, though. And this the, the, is... the, the, these interactions with uh, with Bobo and Jenga, like, the, it's kind of cool. But I don't know how they're like, let's make a whole fucking movie about it. No offense to you people out there where Bobo and Jenga are your fucking favorite characters. Like, I get it. That's your thing. You like the, the metal armor from Mandalore or whatever. It just, it's just your shit. Got it. But, like, what? They Between the three of them, they say maybe uh, 400 words? I don't know. Or between the two of them, they say 400 words in the whole fucking thing, and they, they, they have a cool fight with Obi-Wan, but other than that, I like, mean, what is I it? Had... I don't get it. I don't, I don't get people's love affair with him. I had it's my so buddy. Interesting. I I had you know very well listened to podcaster from the saga continues Tim Jirasi who's a great great guy come back on the podcast recently and defend not only Boba Fett but like that a Boba Fett movie is interesting and feasible and would be interesting to anyone other than the hardest of the hardcore nerds and dude this is my way of judging the hardest of the hardcore nerds and, and to know to distrust them is to ask him what they think of Boba Fett if they're like oh Boba Fett's the shit he's one of the best characters I'm like alright that's a little post-it note I'll just keep in mind <laughs> so I did like some of the Boba Fett stuff that they it's do fine, in, but there's uh, so many other great- in Rebels like no, where his low, his, but we're gonna shit on that, Natalie yeah. Portman because we don't like all of her beats we're gonna shit on Natalie Portman but we're gonna say Boba Fett's the best Star Wars character come on well I'm not gonna shit on Natalie Portman unless she asked me to but um but Boba Fett like being uh, can't you do one without the other I guess is what I'm saying Hello. I'm no no I'm, no I'm I'm listening. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Can't you just do one? I, know, I have an other? answer. Like, why do you? Have oh, I, th- to I thought cool. you were asking rhetorically. Uh, I think you're I saying know. like you have to like no. to like Bobo Fat. You have to shit on Natalie Portman. No, it's just interesting that people who tend to like Boba Fett tend to shit guy. on Natalie Portman. Oh, so you're saying that's the same guy. Okay. That's just weird. No, 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 not Tim. Not my boy Tim. Tim's awesome. He he loves Natalie. I mean, the thing is, the true nerds who are younger than us, who grew up on the prequels as kids, are in love with fucking Amidala, you know, if they grew up it's loving the prequels. Godless. Oh, come on. Ugh. I mean, to contrast this to The Matrix Reloaded and The Two Towers, the middle movies of those two trilogies, right? What does Matrix Reloaded and Two Towers have in common with The Empire Strikes Back as well? Um, They all have some cheesy love scenes. No, most yes, but mostly <laughs> at this part of the movie, forty-five minutes in, they're launching into a series of major action and adventure scenes, and and stirring things up a lot, actually. And this is doing nothing. However, the, the Obi Wan plot is getting pretty thick. That's kind of cool, and I actually do like watching um, all the clones in a in a minute that they're going to show go. you. I hate sand. It's coming soon. We know it's coming. So, by the way, this movie made four hundred million less dollars than the Phantom Menace, and then Revenge of the Sith made two or three hundred million more than this. Like this was definitely this was the, the box dip. office right. speaking that people did not want to see this movie, or at least not see it a second time. I mean, this only made three hundred domestic, which is less than Star Wars. But with no- oh god, oh god. Damn it! Oh. The, the red flowers were those carnations. 
The problem yeah, is their love theme across the stars might be my favorite film composition of all time. Like that's the that's the the romantic theme I would love to have in my you know dreams with the the woman of my dreams is Across the Stars by John Williams. Speaking of the woman of my dreams, I am getting married soon, and I need Woo! to take some pictures of this woman's hair for Reina to consider. Yeah, for the wedding. This yeah. is just creepy. These test tube babies. Oh my god, this is so creepy. This is so right. matrixy. Everything as well. makes more sense after the Clone Wars, but at the time, it was like, what is going on? <laughs> I love how casual Obi Wan is. <laughs> Obi Wan, why is he not like shitting himself? Just be like, what the fuck is this? Like, what? I, I, I mean, but he like, doesn't. Here's the he's problem. He's taking it yeah. in such stride. He's like, what are these people? Oh, but this is so creepy. Okay. So they decided that the clones would all look the same because they're clones and they would all be native Kiwis, essentially. Uh, Native New Zealanders. I understand the practical reason for this because they need them to look the same but to look different from us and there aren't a lot of uh, Aboriginal and New Zealanders walking around. Right. And they, they never get straight up racist, and it's great to see the clones in the Clone Wars. Like, let's be honest, dude. After Ahsoka, the actual clone characters in the Clone Wars are like maybe the coolest part of the Clone Wars. So again, George Lucas made a corrective during the cartoon series, and I felt like he's. I felt like this uh, prequels in general, but especially Attack of the Clones, was just Lucas throwing shit at the wall, trying to make anything stick with these big ideas. Yeah, and I think he had a, I mean, he had the budget, he had some more technology. I mean, that was his whole thing about the first three is like, he never felt, that's why he literally added shit later, because he never felt he had the same technology uh, that he really wanted to create what he wanted to create. And so he kind of went like all fucking out in in, in these ones. Here we go. Here we go. Simi, I feel like we would be doing a disservice. To the Bizzlecast audience, if we don't comment, to a play-by-play play of this scene. You can use one of your Jedi Mind tricks you on know, me. You know, I always think about scene. Is this the scene where he's on the buffalo, and the buffalo almost, like, he pretends that the buffalo kills him? The legislative youth program. What if the buffalo actually did kill him, and that's what ended, you know? <laughs> but again, maybe we need, maybe all the, every, all the, all the Jedi so need to what changed from that scene that we were praising where he was creeping on her and she was said don't look at me like that to making out and sitting in the in the grass together like where's the change in her character vacation which doesn't make any goddamn sense like i I don't know but this is some of my least favorite shit see that's the thing this movie has some of my least favorite shit and some of my favorite shit like the end of this movie i think is great i love what amidala is portrayed as at the end of this movie. She's like a badass in the fighting arena. But the the thing that pisses me off is Natalie can do so many roles and she could have nailed this role with better writing and direction could have nailed it because you look at Felicity Jones in Rogue One, you're going, Oh, she's just a badass. We're seeing it. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's just a badass. No, Felicity's played like old English lady type roles before on English television. Like she can do that stuff too. Natalie can do this stuff too. They're really trying hard here. These two. I, I mean, it's, I just, Lucas is a bad director. He didn't direct empire and he didn't direct return of the Jedi. See, this is the thing. He rides the buffalo, Great and what music. if he actually did uh, that? I love this music. So, 
when they're looking at each other like that, and oh god, this see this, God, see we could just do without a lot of this, a lot of this, a lot of this, like <sighs> totally CGI uh, Anakin there. I like to be the fair, to Princess Leia. To be fair, to be fair. Even the big, huge, giant Avengers movies, you can usually tell at this point when they're CGI Cap or CGI, you know, Thor and not CGI, so. This is the worst. The rolling. This is this is the epitome. I mean, we're She's almost trying so it. hard. Right. Dude, she was in The Professional. She was nominated for The Professional as a kid. She's a real actress. She's trying her fucking ass off. Speaking of which, when are when are we gonna get Gary Oldman a fucking Academy Award? He won. Gary Oldman then? Yeah, he won for playing Winston Churchill. <laughs> oh my god, I missed that. Like this year. Good okay. For him. Oh, that's why. Okay. Been- Here, hey guys who love Boba Fett out there, I'm gonna keep trolling you. Here's another reason why Boba Fett's a piece of shit because the little kid is whinier than Anakin. <laughs> Sorry, man. I can't help it. Uh, by the way, why hasn't Obi-Wan asked about the morality or, or ethics of what's going on? He's just trying to figure out the political situation. Totally fails. His bosses totally fail. Dude, I think he's just trying to keep it all together. I, th- I don't th- I think he... I, I, honestly, what the fuck would you be thinking? Like, but oh how my do God, they... there's an operation of... How many thousand is it again? But I how... think they just said it. But... How many thousand clones do they have? There's a lot, but how do the Jedi not know about this? And But how do they think that the Jedi do know about this, where he is doing a great job here, Ewan McGregor, trying to act like he knows what's going on when he has no clue, because the Jedi have no clue. Like, how does Sidious think this is going to play out? And why wouldn't Obi-Wan immediately go back to the council and say, hey, by the way, our Chancellor is doing some horrific shit. We should turn against him immediately. How does he know exactly that he knows it's the Chancellor right now? Why would he know it's the Chancellor? I don't know if it's right now, but as soon as they go against the Separatists and all that war, it's at, at the end of this movie, they're in, they say it's the uh, clones. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, and Yoda comments about how horrible war is. It's like, Yoda, why can't you put this together? I guess, I guess the, Here it is. The Do you like your army? I look forward to seeing them in action. Yeah, I mean, Obi-Wan, as Obi-Wan is playing this great, it's his superiors who completely fuck up. But again, it has to do with being in Coruscant and the Dark Force Virgin says, and their minds are clouded and the Jedis are ass- arrogant assholes. I mean, right? I mean, that's the main thing, to co- important thing to come out of the prequels is the Jedis are so up their own asses that even wise ones like Master Yoda or Windu ha- have no clue what's really going on. You know, in, in the last one, they, they say, uh, when Qui-Gon says, uh, I think he's a Sith. He's like, I just fought a Sith and I'm fucking Qui-Gon, you know? And they're like, impossible. The Sith have been gone for over millennia. You know, it's like, are you Which fucking is false. kidding me, Which dude? is clearly false. Right, right. It's like, it's like they sound like, uh, you know, uh, Minister Fudge. Like, he is not back. Like, yes, he is, dude. I implore you. Come on. Like, open your fucking eyes. This is a little fun. This is better than the rolling I, I grass. Just, I'm just, no, 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 no. I'm saying, you just skip that fucking whole rolling in the grass scene and go to this. This is kind of cute, you know? But, like, some of the other stuff is just garbage. This is cute. Like, this, this is, like, this is fun. 
the other part, ugh, God, they could have just done without that whole stupid scene that they just mm-hmm. did. Here, here is an interesting question, though. Again, I defend Natalie to my grave. Here's an interesting question to me: What really classic or good or great Natalie movie have we seen with a great romance with a male character? Black Ma- no, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe that's not her thing. I mean, there's I a Henry VIII was, movie with Scarlett Johansson and Eric Bana. Thor and him had like. I know. thought her and Hemsworth had incredible chemistry. Yeah, I thought it was pretty decent. It was great. Uh, um, let me think of something else. That she. Oh, uh, uh, beautiful girls. But that was creepy, also. But with Hemsworth is the opposite of this kid. Sorry, Hayden. Hemsworth is the opposite of him. Not in terms of looks, in terms of confidence, laid backness, comfort. She just, you know, you can tell. I think Natalie's just an actress. You can tell when she's actually uncomfortable. Uh, and she's clearly uncomfortable here. You're in my you, very soul. Oh, this was, I'm sorry. This yeah, is Lucas so masturbating. Horrible, right? This is Lucas thinking this he was- can write like W.B. Yeats or fucking, you know what I mean? Like a true poet. And he can't. Right, it's, it's 13-year-old. Like, no, girl. you get Kasdan to direct it and Irvin Kershner to, di- uh, or Kasdan to write, write it, it. Kershner to direct it like Empire Strikes Back. All right, I'm sorry. I'm oh, I'm up. suffering. I'm Don't stop up. it. We, we're almost through it. If you need to leave the room and just let it play, you can do that. But you gotta, you gotta let this, let it play out. Oh, God, it's so bad. So much relationship shit into. Um, you saw Beautiful Girls, though, right? Uh, maybe. Oh, you haven't seen Beautiful Girls? That's another one that she did when she was a kid. It's with uh, Matt Dillon and um, uh, that big New York Knicks fan, uh, uh, that goofy motherfucker. I like him a lot, though. <laughs> oh, I know you're talking about. Yeah, Mike Rappaport. <laughs> Ian Rappaport. Yeah. No, Mike Rappaport. Mike Rappaport. Michael, Michael Rappaport. Yeah, Michael yeah, Rappaport. He's yeah, he's great. Uh, so he's in it, and it's about uh, this. They go back. This guy goes back to his old town for his like ten year high school reunion, and like no one is, you know, who they thought they were gonna be, and it's like coming to grips with all this shit. And Natalie Portman is the next door neighbor who's like 12 or 13 and she has a crush on him or something. And they have these like interesting this back and forth. Movie, I can't believe you've never seen Beautiful Girls. This is crazy. My, Simi, this ones. movie, it just doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. It's not in the spirit of Star Wars. We can talk about Star other Wars. things during this. Like we, we'll, get away, we'll get through okay. this. That's what commenta- You know what happens with sports commentators do when it's 40 to 10? Yeah, and, I, know, I know. And, and there's... And there's 10 minutes left in the second. Well, here's actually some goodness coming up here. Right? Because doesn't uh, Django Fett go also, after? This, is, this was a decent alien, and they did a great job because they, they do this again in, um, in Clone Wars, obviously, with these, these creatures from um, the planet that they're named after that they're on right now uh, that they've been saying. I mean, of all the non-prequel movies... The only out-and-out romance we've had is Han and Leia, right? And this one, of course, but yeah. I'm saying, outside of these movies, outside of, uh, outside of, uh, of Natalie and Hayden, the only out-and-out romance we've had is Han and Leia. That was a very special exception, and even then they were very restrained. 
Right, and there's, I mean, there's this weird relationship that's happening with, uh, with yeah. Ray and Ren, but, you know. By the way, Obi-Wan's putting everything together, and these two idiots have no idea what the hell's going on. I do like, though, when, 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 uh, when Wendell actually knows what's going on, like, he's like, I'm going to go arrest him right now. You know what I mean? He doesn't waste time with anything. And he thought that being with, you know, Anakin would, he just needed one more Jedi and like, like one more pretty strong Jedi. And he knew that he could take him down. <laughs> he does have a great line at the end of this movie. What's he's this party is over. What does he say? <laughs> no more snakes on this motherfucking plate. <laughs> Oh no! Wrong movie. Uh, he's he's so great as Nick Fury. I can't. He's gonna be back in Captain Marvel as a major character. God, that movie fucking irked me. That last one, the ending. God, Infinity War. I mean, oh, uh, well, yeah, just irks me. I, I don't know. You said Nick Fury, and that's the last image of. I'm like, he doesn't. I mean, exist it's anymore. not. I know. I know. I know. It's not. Oh, it, uh, it's yeah. But the end of Avengers. Infinity War isn't any better or worse than Neo stopping the Sentinels with his brain at the end of Matrix Reloaded. I mean, the, the these two part movies are always like that. Oh God! Last thing I want to see is his nips. Wait, is this? Does he kill all those sand people in yep. this one? Uh huh. Oh my God, I forget. Sometimes yep. I forget which awful deeds he does in which. So movie. he's already a creep that somehow managed to Stockholm syndrome her into loving him, um, and then he's going to go murder a bunch of people, and then that's going to make her even more attached. I mean, this what, is such a bunch blatant of exp- or a race of. People? I'm sorry, Simi. I know you love Natalie Portman, and she is beautiful. This is such blatant exploitation of her beauty throughout this movie for no apparent reason. She's not even a queen anymore. Well, she is a senator, and she still has to look good, and you know she takes care of herself. So I, you know, I think uh, I think the hair that she's doing is uh, this one isn't my favorite so far, but um, you know it's all nonchalant. I have mean, you seen she, V? Have you seen V for Vendetta? I was just telling you, it's one of my favorite movies. I, 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 it was rhetorical. There's a very specific reason why she did V for Vendetta as her sort of mouthwash movie after this series. Oh, I get it. Because yeah. it was sci-fi, but it was dark and gritty and practical and realistic and brutal and bloody, and her character was complicated. She wasn't a warrior princess, but she was extremely complicated, Evie. Is that a, D, uh, a DC movie? Uh, no, that's one of, um, Alan Moore's, um, uh, Dark Horse, one of those, Image, maybe, it might, it might be DC. I think it's a DC movie, because it was one of those things that kind of shot me, like, isn't Blade a Marvel movie? Blade is a Marvel movie, yeah. It's just one of those things that you're just like, oh, really? It's, uh, it comes from, it's DC Vertigo, which was like a sub-imprint of theirs, yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yep. I was just thinking about how many fucking comic book movies she's been in. But but, but unlike Thor and this series, V for Vendetta is almost a, a thousand. It's too it's artistic. Almost, it's all practical effects. It's rated R. It's bloody. It's sexual. It's complicated. They showed at Bam. Yeah. A lot of people would argue that it, it realized 
the important things that the Matrix uh, sequels didn't, even though it's on a smaller scale. I kind of realized some of those things. This is a great fight scene. This is the only redeeming quality for like you're like oh I, I like Bubba Bon Janga like. Right, but everyone loves the Fets with their stolen Mandalorian armor. How yeah, about, they're not even from Mandalore. They how don't about even Sabine? Have how about Sabine, who's like an actual three-dimensional character from Mandalore? But she's a chick, so she can't be as cool, I guess. Oh, that's a bit of a jump. I mean, I think they're going to try to do her. I hope they do. No, I'm talking about the idiot fans who obsess over the Fets. Yeah, this right. isn't bad. This isn't bad. No, it's a great fight scene. I mean, it's no Darth Maul, but it's a great fight scene. I'm just thinking the two towers coming out a few months after this and Peter Jackson on like a third of the budget, what he did with the two towers. It just didn't need all this. Like, I mean, it's great. In the what is happening? What is happening in this movie? Tell me. Tell me what of substance is happening. Nothing. Again, between The Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith, do, do we need this movie? I mean, it's great world building and there's some fun stuff, but like, what is actually happening? The end is fun. Yeah. No, it's like some in-between. You're right. It's a lot of filler. I mean... That's pretty cool. You do get to see a fair amount of Jedi shit. Remember, we hadn't seen any amount of Jedi shit up until this one and the next, the last one. There was barely any in the first three. Like, he barely knows how to use a fucking lightsaber. Who, Luke? What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh. Like, he's just figuring that shit out. Oh, the Star Wars tracking device. We've seen this in almost every movie and animated show, the tracking device. Why th- people wouldn't develop something to track tracking devices, I have no idea. They do. I just think they always forget to do it. Like, oh, you didn't turn on the tracking device. Oh, that is a sleek ship. Does that one supposed to, like, mimic what it's around so it looks like it just blends in or something? It's, like, all mirrored. Simmy? Oh my god, I can't stand Simi? this. Are they really doing this? Simmy? Okay. All right, so we're back on Tatooine. Well. And what's coming up, Simi, is extremely dark, is maybe brilliant. But I, oh, here's Watto. His old slave master. Yeah, it's super, it's super dark, and they're going to get into, you know, how he was sold and how his mother was sold, and they were slaves, and he, this was their slave master. This is who owned them, and that's fucking creepy. So, by the way... Some people criticize Lucas for racist portrayals and they point to Watto as a Jewish stereotype, which I've never seen. And the fact that people think Watto's a Jewish stereotype, that's the the offensive thing. Not that they, you know what I mean? Like, it never occurred to me that he was a Jewish stereotype, but I've heard that. 
I, yeah, I've actually never heard that, but like, I, I guess that's like them being like, he has a big nose. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a greedy merchant with an Eastern European accent and a big nose. Uh, I guess now that they're saying it with the hat, you know, like as if they're like, you know. But I'm saying some sometimes stereotypes are stereotypes, but sometimes accusations of things being stereotypes are more offensive than the supposed stereotypes right. they're accusing. It's, it's just it's your own projection, yeah. you know, of like what you think are Jews exactly. are. Exactly. Projection. Right. Lars. Which is important. Oh, this is awful. See, like, this is just contributing to more of his craziness. I mean, they never should have had him be born on Tatooine because then Luke's hiding on Tatooine makes no sense. Now they're back again. So, Sumi, I've heard a couple different theories about why the prequels went so off the rails, especially in this movie. One is that Lucas in the initial trilogy was such a maverick that his vision just took on a life of its own. And here he was dealing with a lot of yes men who just said yes to everything he wanted to do instead of challenging it. Do you think there's any validity to that? Um, yeah, I mean, he was he like these people that he was working that were working from grew up with star Wars, you know what I mean? Like as children. And then, you know, as professionals, this is the, you know, uh, cusp of their career. This is the, 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 like, this is the apex, you know? So, uh, I think, I think it would be hard to not be a yes man for your hero. You know, like you, you got into this to, to someday say, I want to work with George Lucas. God, this was crazy, actually. This wasn't bad. This isn't bad. Lucas nails everything in space. Every movie in space, it always looks great. Those bombs are crazy. Yeah, these are some sort of seismic charges. Um, Wait, he's sending those off? How does he have that kind of a thing? And he's going through these and just blowing them up. Wow, this is actually not so bad. I mean, I just I don't think it's a coincidence that of the six movies that George Lucas made of Star Wars, the one that's considered the best by almost every single person, Empire Strikes Back, he neither wrote or nor directed. Right. Which is actually the best movie, but this has like you know, all the movies have glimpses of like what's what's pretty cool. Well, he, that's why so he, he like should have been focused on this. The, he should have been focused on creating these crazy characters and the effects and the space stuff. Like, yeah, Lucas, do that. Oversee the project, but give it to someone else to write and direct. Yeah, I mean, this holds up. This looks great. This type of scenery, this I mean, it holds up as as I mean It does. It looks really good. For what it was, it doesn't. This does not look horrible. I'm surprised that he hasn't hit him yet. Though. Okay, there we go. Creepy kid. So you never answered my question That's earlier, not- though, about the, the the decision to make all the clones and the Fets <laughs> Aboriginal New Zealanders. 
I, I like I like the work. I, I like what it created, and I thought it was a good job. I mean, then they had a, didn't have too much CGI because a lot of those scenes were all like very amount of of dudes, you know. So I I think it's a good idea, and I, I like the look of it. I think it, I think Clone Wars also did a good job of of mimicking something like that. Wow, they! I definitely forgot about a lot of this. That's why I'm a little bit quiet right now. I'm really just like rewatching. No, that's what I'm saying. You watch Guardians of the Galaxy, and it doesn't look that much better the whole than this stuff. Thing from it, yeah. yeah, a lot of it. I agree with you. I mean, I'm kind of like even that. That's see that that's a great little homage to uh, Empire. To Empire. Yep. And that plane is awesome. Yeah. So is that one. I yeah. mean, the, the ships are pretty cool. They should have cut this movie by 30 minutes, and the focus should have been Obi-Wan's investigation. That should have been the movie. If they weren't going to do the all-out Clone Wars, the, uh, everything with Obi-Wan's investigation is just... I mean, you can just feel it as a movie watcher jumping in quality when we're with Ewan McGregor, and right, in his investigation. And not for nothing, but, like, to go back to what you were saying about how what they could have done if they just, like, kept Padme... You know, having that like a light character line of just a drunken knight or whatever. But you know what they kind of missed out on was you, you could have had more Obi Wan and Anakin and maybe working on that relationship in this. It didn't have to just be him. I mean, it is kind of cool that it's just him. But I, I feel like I feel like he's not as whiny. Like I said in the beginning, I like some of that give and take that they're doing with those clever lines and mm-hmm. how they're like kind of teasing each other a little bit. Versus, like, when he's with Padme, he's either, like, creepy, cheesy, or um, annoying and pouty. You I know, think, like, at least yeah. at least he's funny and, and like, like you know, like, kind of um, cheeky, I guess, with, with, with when he's with Ewan McGregor, you know? So I actually think they could have done more with that and just gotten rid of that other storyline where that's just a brief part where they do have this, you know, bit of an affair, you know, but it didn't have to be like yeah. this whole other boring ass storyline where now he's going to find his mother. Like, it's like, what are they? They doing? should have gone from don't look at me that way, Anakin, to him trying to kiss her and him pushing her away to here. They, they should have not have kissed. Yeah, and they yeah, should have yeah, come yeah. directly here and had her witness. And the, if she started like not if she started sympathizing with him because of the dark stuff that happens here, like that's already more interesting. But we've already had rolling around in the grass together and drinking wine and showing off force powers and making out, you know. And then the fireplace scene, oh, right? God. Oh, God. And all that naked back she shows. <laughs> Yep, here's uh here's this is uh, awkward. Uncle Owen <laughs> again. So what is Lucas trying? I mean, this isn't only a retcon. This is this makes it impossible to believe that Vader wouldn't have been looking with these two in Episode Four. He did do good casting though. Uncle Owen looks the same. My only explanation for the episode four hiding of Luke with these guys is the hiding in plain sight. That the one place Vader would never look would be the most obvious place. Right. <laughs> His home fucking town. This woman looks a little bit like Billy Lord, by the way, who's, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher's daughter, who's in, in the new movies. Again, I'm loving the hair. Up oh, there's the midriff, Simmy. Control yourself. 
Hang in there, buddy. <laughs> Hopefully rain is not around. <laughs> what do you think they're drinking? Kool-Aid? <laughs> Lucas was drinking his own Kool-Aid, that's for sure. Right. Well, they get into some of the cooler drinks, like uh, like the wines and stuff in some of the books and stuff. So, you know, I always... And they are using basically the same pitcher set that they use in uh, a new hope. Oh, one of my favorite parts, like those are the yeah. same glasses. One of my favorite parts of solo was, you know, the whole movie's fan service and they're re- referencing all these bizarre alien re- metaphors and stuff that we've never even heard analogies. But th- there's the part where, where Woody is in, is in the gunner uh, seat of the Falcon while they're being chased and Han is flying, and he's like, "Are we still? Are we st- still being followed by Tie Fighters?" And Woody gives like two or three alien metaphors in a row, like, "Yeah, it's like a bunch of ba-da-ba-da doing a bunch of ba-da, but <laughs> you're going what?" And finally, Han is just like, "I have no idea what you're talking about. Are we still being attacked or not?" And I'm like, yeah, that's that was good. That was good. By the way, that's the same like dinner table that the, that where Luke gets told he has to stay on the farm and he can't join um he can't join up yet. Uh that was literally the same dinner table and the same like cups that so they used. It, you go back that in the lot remember we were watching and you were like uh-huh. that, that background the was background. Great. It was the yeah. Oh this is now he's going to kill that whole tribe of people. Great. Okay. Is it possible what Lucas is trying to say is that he had this looks terrible is that he had such a negative horrible experience in this place here that he didn't even want to think about Tatooine anymore and that's why obi-wan thought it was a good idea to hide one of the children there i mean maybe it's also just this dead planet with not much going on oh this is another homage to you know the scene where they um it's his birthplace uh, and he just came back and he just met uncle owen yeah, this whole movie could have been done without. I mean, it's really enjoyable. The, well, the, that's the thing. They, they could have easily had the middle movie. All right. Here's another giant tree, which we see in seemingly every other Star Wars movie at this point. This looks like a, a Jedi temple in uh, Rebels. What if they had just straight up made Hayden Christensen as an actor, essentially an apprentice during this movie, and had him not actually play a big part? Give more to Yoda, more to Windu, focus more on Obi-Wan, and had Anakin sort of growing dark in the background and have some stuff with Natalie, but mostly just focus on this stuff. Well, I just think that people wanted to see Anakin, you know, they really, that's the whole, uh, that's my, one of my attractions to this whole thing is, you know, watching the birth of, you know, such evil, you know, it's like the, it's the prequel to like, you know, a madman. We're we're on Geonosis, by the way. Okay. We're on Geonosis. The the Saw Guerrera episodes of Star Wars Rebels, season three. Uh, Awesome. Pog the Lesser? Mm Mm-hmm. Who is this? That's him, Pog the Lesser, right here with the cane. Yep, uh, and, uh, and Catalyst as well. Uh, they deal with Pog right. the Lesser. Yep. Again, lots of great cameos. And that's the thing the the world building 
overwhelmed the shittiness of uh, of the writing to the point where they could spin off the Clone Wars and lead to all the greatness we have now in Star Wars. Okay, Christopher Lee, one of the best actors ever, rest in peace. He turns crap material into amazingness. I love him in Lord of the Rings. I love him here. Go ahead. I was actually just going to ask you, uh, who is he to you? Is he Doku? No, no, he's Saruman. uh, He's Saruman. He's Saruman. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's the one who thinks he can challenge the Dark Lord in the Lord of the Rings. (gasps) Fights. Oh, the fight with Gandalf is so great. Right. Dude, we should do Lord of the Rings commentaries. Although you're more of a Harry Potter guy. Oh, I I uh I do a Lord of the Rings commentary. I, I watch a lot of those. So I, again, Obi Wan having witnessed the clones and hearing this, how are they not starting to put the pieces together? Oh, here we go. You know, my Jar Jar Binks is um uh I hate I, I hate Smeagol. What do you mean you hate him? I can't stand Smeagol. Like in uh, yeah, he's in despicable. Twin, in twin, no, I mean in, in Two Towers. Like I just can't, I just can't deal with him. Oh he really? Just, oh, that's my favorite yeah. Part. Like I sometimes that's my favorite fast part. forward okay. everything. Okay. All right, so maybe we won't do it. That's my favorite part. I love Smeagol in Two Towers. Oh, but maybe that's why we should do it. Well, in the books, in the books, Smeagol is more like. Return of the King Smeagol, where he's just straight up bad, basically. They tried to make more complicated Two Towers. I actually like that in the movies, but I hear you. Here she is, his mom, who Obi-Wan specifically, or uh, Qui-Gon specifically separated him from his mother for this exact reason, and now he's back here with no oversight from the Jedi. I mean, I'm sorry, people, if you don't like... Well, he never... If you don't like the fact that Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi calls out the Jedi for being arrogant, stupid assholes, you're not watching these movies. He, they were right with their first instinct, instinct when they said he was too young, and like they hit the nail on the head. They're like, he's too like, old. you missed your yeah. mother, you know, and he's like, yeah. And as soon as they realized that, like, no. And then you know, Wendell's like, no, he won't be trained. And Qui Gon was just sure of it because he was so sure of his overall feelings and that's the problem with the arrogance of the jedi that they they needed to realize that qui-gon wanted didn't want to be on the council but deserved to be on the council and consciously chose not to be on the council so he would have time to do other things because he thought the council was a waste of time there's a great scene where he says oh you know you have much to learn young padawan you know or not young Pat, you have much to wa- learn, Obi-Wan, when Obi-Wan says, you'd, you'd be on the council if you just followed what they said. And he's like, you don't get it yet? Like, I don't want to be on the council. Like, I, I, I would waste, it's a waste of time. And they're, they don't take the time to explain to Qui-Gon why they don't think he should be trained and then listen to Qui-Gon saying why he thinks he should be trained. So this, this horrible misunderstanding then convinces the Jedi Council to that he should be trained and maybe he shouldn't have maybe he should, i mean that goes back to that whole question we were talking before like maybe the whole council needed to be wiped out oh now he's gonna kill everybody pg but, by the way guys i always think this movie's pg-13 nope pg pg was different back then though 
And also there's no blood. Like you don't really see blood. Blood adds a whole nother level. And then you're also not killing necessarily human beings. You're killing humanoids. So it's like another realm kind of. And I think that's why they were able to give it that. Because they wanted kids you to have, watch. You have your lead hero slaughtering creatures that look vaguely human, including kids, as he says. <clears throat> Well, it is Darth Vader. I mean, he's one of the greatest villains ever. And this is no, I'm just saying, I can't believe... Evolution. I'm just saying, I can't believe it took until Revenge of the Sith to get a PG-13. I thought this would be PG-13. Right. I remember this it was is a big great deal scene. that it was this PG-13. Is a great scene. Let's, I'm going to try and focus on the positive. This is a great scene. This is a great scene. But do you... You, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about how Coruscant's built on a... A, an old Sith temple with a giant dark side virgins, right? That there are dark forces that are possibly working them. You know, they're not aware of. Now that you say that, like that's a whole nother level that I didn't realize. I know that I know that about Coruscant, but I never put two and two together. Cause like I learned more about the worlds and the specific, the specific blah, specifics of the world in, uh, black, or, you know cartoons and clone wars and like i was just there's more attention paid to it there's more detail like you learn more about them so i didn't necessarily put that together until you mentioned can that. i read you something yeah we'll stop if we need to at some this point. is a geonosin right yeah all right what is a virgins? A virgins is a location where the force concentrates like a whirlpool and a fast-flowing river. Here, the power of the force is strong, sometimes very strong indeed. Those with the ability to touch the force can guide and use this power to accomplish great and terrible things. A virgins can occur just about anywhere. Locations are often places with weighty histories and great import to the wider galaxies, but not always, like Dagobah and Coruscant. That's interesting. Right. The dig of a system, right? Well, I think they also in Rebels and things like that they get into where those temples were and uh, Lothal and like how the specifics of those worlds have different can, pulls can, of different can parts I read, of the forest. Can I read from the official uh, RPG uh, Star Wars RPG book here, real quick? Yes. Thanks in part to the influence of the dark side energy that still emanated from the Sith Virgins and Coruscant, the Jedi were unable to see the treachery and evil of Darth Sidious, who was daily in their midst in his guise as Chancellor Palpatine. Boom. There you have it. That's canon. That is canon. Right. So they, ex- they explain, like, why the Jedi. But, the, you know, Yoda says how many times cloudy, like, cloudy the force. Cloudy it is. Cloudy it is. You know, he says it a thousand times. But that's an insecurity when viewed through that lens, right? Because the, the, the force is clouded, but it's being way more clouded because of what's going on. Right. And this is all part of the master plan of one of the mm-hmm. most... So let me ask you, man, what is a more uh, realistic response of a f- empowered female when dealing with a, a genocidal killer? This or Rey and Kylo? <laughs> I don't think it's even close. <laughs> I don't understand their relationship. I mean, it just, to me, and like, that's the whole thing. It just didn't make a lot of sense. Like, because you have so much respect for her in one. And then, oh, it's her movie. You know, you, it's her. I mean, right? Yeah, it's her movie in one. Yeah, she's basically the main character. Dude, one, one is great. That's honestly, Phantom Menace yeah, is great. I do think again they spent a little bit too long on that pod racing scene. That pod racing, scene. but it looks great. 
Did you ever watch the original? There, I think in the deleted scenes, there's another one, and it's longer, actually. Well, I, I think, yeah. Jedi Geek Girl, we were watching the digital file. She said the version on DVD and digital is longer than in the theater. Well, oh, yeah, if you play the with the bonus features. <laughs> that sounded like you threw a beer can. <laughs> that's Guys, it's that's so- what a Bizzle Temple t- temper tantrum looks like, throwing an empty beer can. <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it. I mean... Dude, Anakin in the Clone Wars is so appealing. You're, you're so rooting for him not to turn to Darth Vader in the Clone Wars. Here, you're like, oh, this is obviously Darth Vader, which is way less interesting. Does he do this in Clone Wars? They don't change anything. What, the, when does the, he do this? Though, I don't know. The ironic part is if they had cast the guy who voices Anakin in the Clone Wars, Matt Lanter, who's a TV and film star, he's a much better, more appealing actor. I know, Clone Wars was better. a d- dude. Clone Wars was a vaccine and a cure for this movie. That's what Clone Wars was. Because if you go from Phantom Menace to Clone Wars to Episode 3, it works way better, and you just ignore this movie. You know what? We should chop this movie up somehow, and then, like, you know, bring it down to, like, an hour and 45. It's two and hours and 22 minutes with credits. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Let's take out a half an hour. People are like, oh, Rogue One <laughs> took too long to get started. I'm like, guys, it's two hours and four minutes, and by 22 minutes in, they've got the Jetta battle. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, now this is good because at least she's wearing that outfit. That's the outfit she fights with. In, oh, in let's even emphasize more that he knows who Owen Lars is. So when Luke's hiding with them, he has no idea. I guess the you know Darth Vader doesn't know he has kids. That's the point. By the way, what the fuck is he wearing black for, and she's wearing white? He's more appropriately dressed can, for. A wait, funeral. can we talk, Laura? She's like, I'm gonna wear Sorry. my white outfit to the funeral. Yeah, could you just talk, Laura, really quickly? Yeah. Uh, by the way, they use those exact same moisture vaporizers at the beginning of Rogue One with with Galen Erso walking out to Krennic. But um, uh, so I always thought in Empire Strikes Back, there, there's a bunch of things I forget about Empire every single time. And one of them is, I always think, you know when Vader first kneels and you see the hologram of the Emperor for the first time? What is your bidding, my lord? I always think Vader's the one who says, I've sensed that it's the child of Anakin Skywalker, but it's actually the Emperor that says it's it. The Emperor says that, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the comics, they try and retcon it a little bit so that Vader has a sense of it. Like, he's not totally ignorant of it, but he doesn't want to be the one to bring it up. And then when the Emperor senses it, I kind of like, you know, you know how in in, uh, Force Awakens, buddy, uh, Kylo, uh, before they actually meet Rey, Kylo and Snoke are talking and Snoke's like, there's been an awakening. Have you felt it? And Kylo says, yes, I felt it in regards to Rey. I like that a little bit better. It would make sense. They would both sense it. It's weird that Vader would not have sensed it in Empire, but who knows? Well, also, if you think about it, like it's his kid. It'd be if you sensed it, you might dismiss it, you know, just because you're like, I don't have any kids, you know, like I like because a lot of this is interpretation. I just think like the the fact what the force is, the the force wielders can interpret the force more. You know what I mean? Like the better one. So, Timmy, sorry. Oh, oh, she's got the costume. 
the bracers. I mean, he looks he looks sixteen. I understand why they did CGI Yoda. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I understand it. Instead of puppet Yoda, yeah. No, CGI Yoda is for better for it. Puppet Yoda would have taken away from it, I think. So they say protect the senator, but he's already put her in danger in Tatooine, and now they're going to go to Geonosis and, and be in the ultimate danger. What's the over-under on him being able to go without shaving for months at a time? <laughs> Hayden? Yeah, at this point in life. <laughs> I mean, have his balls even dropped? <laughs> right, like, does he even shave? You know what I mean? Like, that's the question. Like, has he even, like, is that just, like, literally, like, peach fuzz on a... God, he looks like he's 12. And, again, and she looks like she's 21. Like, Which she is. Like she's 20. Eight, 19 or 21 filming this, so... Really? Mm-hmm. That's it? Oh, I thought you... Oh, right. Yeah, dude, remember, okay, she was born in 1981, so whatever year you're in when this is happening is her... So, it's 2002, but they've already filmed it, so yeah, she's 19 or 20 while filming. She can't even drink yet. They said they partied a lot in uh, Australia, or they filmed a lot of the movie. I cannot get over how funny it is that someone says something in their everyone everyone understands everyone but no one's but no one speaks the language it's like wookie you know what I which mean which is like, one of the brilliant they, touches of solo. solo yeah exactly yeah yeah except in solo that was so cool where he's like, i speak a little <laughs> i mean palpatine's constantly trying to get amidala killed so that dude right there is kind of a Sith. Yeah. Uh, he's been, which is interesting that they've hinted at him being a Sith, even though, and by the way, the fact that Count Dooku was just like walking into this like beehive of Geonosians is hilarious. Um, this is great. This is an all-time classic scene, even though it makes no sense. This is so funny because this is how I picture like certain types of um, – you know, like political debates, like, oh my god, this is crazy. What's happened to you? So, is, is <laughs> look, they could kill, they could kill Obi Wan right now. So, is this Dooku being resentful of the Jedi Council he used to be a part of and trying to turn Obi Wan against him for his? I mean, I think what what is interesting about Dooku is he is serving Sidious, but they never say that it's his apprentice, by the way, and he does seem to have his own goals as well. So. No, that's what I was asking those questions earlier. Yeah. I wasn't entirely sure. Yeah, I, of I don't know. We relationship. don't. I, uh, if if Jedi Geekro were here, she would know the lore. Look at this shooting, by the way. This is great shooting. This is Peter Jackson shooting. This is exactly what Peter Jackson did, Lord of the Rings. You shoot right up on the characters' faces and have a pretty cool backdrop. Yeah. Nothing crazy, but just just this is a cool scene, though. This is like a cool room. They're able to do some cool science fiction, and then they're able to have a fun. <laughs> this just reminded me of like uh, Thor oh, uh, Ragnarok. Hold on, hold on. The truth. Talking about the truth of the Senate. This is great shooting. I love this scene. Right. So this is again misdirection by Lucas of both the characters and the audience. But it alienated everyone because no one could figure it out. 
is he working against Sidious now, even while he's saying he's working for Sidious? Right, here it is. He's telling him the truth. He's telling Obi-Wan almost the complete truth. Ten years ago. Right. Who came to him ten years ago? Is he talking about Maul? What is he talking about? No, he's talking about the Emperor. The Emperor came to him ten years ago when, when Darth Maul was killed. And he's trying to he's trying to take over the Emperor. And he wants Obi-Wan to be his apprentice. Right. He's like Vader, but he's more openly trying to take over his overlord, which is right. leads his right. head getting sliced off by Anakin at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Or by do Anakin. It. Do and it. Really, do right, it. Just, by the Emperor. The Emperor makes him do it. No, he goes, do it. It was a little like a Sith trick. Oh, the, the end of Jar Jar, uh, Jar Jar's life, if you read the Aftermath books... I mean, he just ends up being a a street jester on the the back alleys of a Naboo city in the later part of his life. God, this is scary. This reminds me of like also, Trump. Also, reduce Anakin in this movie and increase Palpatine in this movie is another movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I know you don't love uh, episode three as much as I do, man, but they really, really push Palpatine to the forefront as well as Obi-Wan in that movie. And I think that that was a major reason why it made $300 more dollars, but even more importantly, got much better reviewed by both audiences and critics. Revenge of the Sith got very acclaimed for the most part from audience and critics. Well, I think at the end, it's just, it's all redeeming. You get to watch it. You know what I mean? You get to watch that whole robotic process. And like, I think and that and that fight with Anakin and Obi-Wan is incredible. Well, that whole you also get an amazing stuff. opening battle, a lot of tension and force stuff in the middle, and then some great action at the end, which is how you're supposed to structure sure. these kinds of movies. Yeah. But I'm just saying in terms of like your overall feeling about a movie, like how they leave you has a lot to do with it. And they left you feeling awesome. Like they left you feeling like... Oh my God, that guy! Like you know what I mean? Like that's that's how it's that's how it was done. Like that's what happened. That's Vader. You know what I mean? Like so, it kind of there was a lot of redeeming qualities at the end. Yes, there were some good parts throughout the whole movie. Sure, but that's all I'm saying. Like when you walk out of a movie, all right. Like it, that was a great ending. So. I meant to comment earlier about, you know, she's the one that wants to go save Obi-Wan and she's like, well, you're supposed to protect me, but I'm going to go get Obi-Wan. So if you want to protect me, so there's a loophole, (laughs) even though that makes no sense, they should have been sort of smiling at each other mischievously and him sort of falling in love with her more because of that rebelliousness, but they don't even try and sell that. They're doing it just as a, as a head nod to her having some agency in this movie where she clearly has very little agency. Uh, You know what I mean? Like it just in the hands of a proper, forget the writing. He could still write it in the hands of a proper director. They just could frame this all so much better. And that's just the frustration. Like, it's just so close. It's just there's so much good 
quality to it. Yeah, like, you're right. A 20% improvement what, would end up being like a 100% improvement. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just there's so many things. And I mean, hindsight is 20 It's obviously. like... It's like when you got a great young core of your basketball team or your baseball team, but you need those like veterans off the bench and relief pitchers. You know what I mean? And like, sure. it, it, that to me is, yeah. By the way, fuck you, Lakers. You took LeBron away from us, you motherfuckers. You really think you had a chance? You really think no, you no, I did. I never cool. thought he would come. Okay. Right. I just think the Lakers is is makes me lose respect for LeBron. And I've been a LeBron defender. Oh, I think it makes sense. And I, I think um, I, blame, I blame Dan Gilbert, and he's a Spartan. And I love Dan Gilbert. I just never took LeBron for a Hollywood guy. It, it surprised me a little bit. It's not about that. It's that he's not going to stay in Detroit because he hates the owner. So the Hollywood thing, it's just money-wise and economy wise and he wants to be in movies later it just makes sense okay but okay. like if, if an owner was there that liked him all right uh and took care of him properly i would argue as colorful and supposedly kinetic as this entire sequence is it all looks terrible but you, you can give me a play-by-play of this this whole bit no it looks like a video game it's not amazing i mean i do like um it, it's all right it, it's just Again, you could do without it. Like they, they you could jump. The, the next scene is way better. When I mean, in the pit. you know, they could have just gotten arrested. You know, you know when you know you know, you know when Jin thinks Cassian's dead and she's climbing up through the little. She's doing the Tomb Raider thing. She's climbing up through the stuff to get the message out at the end of Rogue One. It's way more realistic and less colorful, but it looks totally real and feels way more real than something like this. Right, it's or, or even Luke and Leia with the trash compactor in Episode Four. Yeah, it's just okay. Here it is. It, no, here it is. It was shut me down. Machines making machines. How perverse! So I mean, we live in a society where machines make machines all the time for everything. I love that. See, this is my favorite part of Attack of the Clones. I said this in the commentary I never released. The fact that C-3PO comments on it being perverse that machines are making machines is such an interesting comment from Lucas. Going back to the Blade Runner-y days of the original trilogy, I, I, you know, I know he's got that philosophy in him. It was great to hear it there. By the way, a little play-by-play. Play. This is the first time we realized that he could fly that well. And I think this is the first time he... Like, we, he flies a little bit in the other one, but, like, he's actually, like, straight-up flying. R2! R2! Yeah, R2 is yeah. super powerful in the clo- Clone Wars. That yeah. looks super fake. This, this part always scared me. I always thought she was doomed for sure. Um, so, uh, I've seen every movie... Every Star Wars movie that's come out in my lifetime, I've seen with my parents... I was a, almost embarrassed taking them to this movie because I hadn't seen it yet. Like, we never talked I don't know. about it. I mean, it's just yeah. far fetched. I mean, that's the thing. God, see, this is like this whole scene. Like, it's again, like, this is six minutes we could just take out. Like, it just doesn't have to happen. You know, this whole montage. It could just end. I actually like I like this. I like the idea that his consciousness is tied to his head. The genomes do look like. And I'm cool with Anakin, you know, like with the X Men, when you're in danger is when the powers come out the most. 
that this always I always think about this part too, like how his hand gets caught here. Wait, does he chop his own hand off? Not here. They, they wait till the end of episode three for all the limbs to get cut off. Oh, okay. Oh, by the way, dude, Deadpool two is the future of the X Men with the X Force, and Cable was my favorite character growing up. Love we'll to talk about a different podcast. I thought they did a really good job of Cable. By the way, I my favorite X Men growing great. up, and has the best most recent storyline as well. I'm going to give you the comics when I come up to visit you. Did you think he was? Uh, they did a good job with him. It's spectacular. I think I think he was one of the best characters they've ever done. Yeah. I didn't expect Deadpool to be the movie to push the X-Men forward in such a great way, and I loved him for it. I like it. The, Some people just like, wanted it to be like a comedy, but that's not... I, I liked how they did it. I love his character, and I love how it's yeah. different than a lot of the... Josh Brolin's stuff. a genius. I mean, that, Thanos, n- No Country for Old Men, True Grit, come on. Wow, that's a... You know, True Grit's a, a remake, by the way. All right, way, so right? watch Natalie. Yeah, I do. Most Westerns are. Right. I mean, look, Hayden Christensen, if nothing else, Hayden Christensen is more comfortable with CGI than Natalie is. But this isn't. I mean, compare this to the highway chase at the end of The Matrix Reloaded. Seriously. Compare this to the highway chase and the kung fu fighting at the end of The Matrix Reloaded. It's like, it's not even close. Or the castle, you know, the, the keep invasion scene at the end of the two towers. It's like, this yeah. is so clearly inferior to the other middle movies of the trilogies at the time. I, I You know? They could have just done a scene with, like, where Boba Fett, like, or, uh, yeah, Boba Fett. I'm sorry. Yeah. Where Jenga Fett, uh you know, catches them. By the way, let me just point out another reason the Clone Wars is inferior, and I'm not even going to talk about this nonsense that's about to happen here because it's not earned and I don't buy it, is so he's already been slaughtering Geonosians. They treat the Geonosians like, you know, like the Chitauri and the Avengers. They just murder them. But what was so great about the Sagrera episodes in Geonosis was the fact that he was abusing that one Geonosin and everyone else felt really uncomfortable about it, you know? And he had to learn to not abuse him and treat him with respect, you know? Like, that's what Star Wars is about, you know what I mean? Not just slaughtering aliens because they're aliens. That's what Marvel does. Marvel slaughters aliens because they're aliens. Star Wars is not supposed to be about that. And now we've seen it twice from him. What's about intergalactic cooperation? Gentrification! (laughs) Now I love you. Why, though? Wait, why? Ugh! Before we die, I want you to know. I I just, I don't even want Natalie Portman to be in love with a guy like this, is the thing. Maybe she's just trying to get like a little bit more love before she dies. Oh, there's the midriff. Just like, maybe she just doesn't believe that she's going to live. And she's just like... The problem is this theme is so good. And then the marriage at the end, the theme is amazing. I have some great like uh, indie string orchestras and stuff playing variations of this theme. I'll send you if, if you want. Because I, I love it. It's called Across the Stars by John Williams. God bless him. Do you think it smells like honey in there? I thought you were gonna. I thought you were just gonna say, "Do you think it smells like honey?" I was like, "I, no, I mean, we don't like have that." The, kind of like they're, they're all like, like enormous bees in my mind. So 
you know, oh, so. interesting. They seem more like gnats or flies to me. Yeah. Yeah, she's just having a hard time. She's like, so I should pretend. Yeah, pretend that somebody is tying you up right now, but they're not really here. Okay. Rule number one of CGI. If you can't pull it off 100%, dim the lighting. Like Black Panther. Like fucking daylight. Yeah, but like, you know, you saw Black Panther. There are parts of Black Panther that are clearly CGI, but they're not like blasting light on it while it's happening. Right. All right, so this upcoming scene and this fight scene, like I actually love. This like, is why we're doing the podcast. Love. This is I'm going to shut up. I'm just going to say this. This is why we're doing the podcast because you love this scene and I love you. So go ahead. This is one of my favorite scenes. A when he mind tricks this monster, um, and B the what, what like Padme is like taking names and kicking ass in this. Like it's just like such a great gladiator scene with all these crazy beasts and they're stuck in this thing and it's literally like in the movie Gladiator. Where I wonder if Gladiator actually stole that from them where they like they basically win, you know what I mean? And they're like, that's not supposed to happen. Like they're not supposed oh, to win. And she look at Padme. She's already picking her her cuffs and then they're gonna leap up. Like there's this whole sequence that's happening and they're all just like making it happen. Look at this it's not horrible and and then this horrible treatment of the animals by the geonosians see this reciprocal awful treatment from you know the way humans treat aliens the way aliens treat animals and the way everybody treats Padme is like you know on top of her shit the fact that I love Natalie Portman but the fact that I think that Amelia Clark as Kira in Solo is a much more effective character with less screen time and less importance to the canon just shows the difference in the direction between George Lucas and Ron Howard. This was all each one of these three little things where they had to fight. Oh, there it is. Thing. There it is. Oh, there it is. Leave her alone. There's your midriff, Simmy. You got it. Leave Padme alone. You got, but you got the midriff. She's got her. She's got him. Alien looking motherfucker. I mean, Nedley ends up being a fighter in V for Vendetta, but not in this way. V for the Vendetta was cool. With she like, uh, I love this scene when she's like, "Someone's coming to kill you right now." She's dressed up like that schoolgirl. She's like, "No, I'm yeah, serious." Yeah, she's trying to get away from V from V, and then he throws her in the jail, and she thinks he's. She doesn't think That's it's him. Awesome. That's an awesome like whole, like scenario. And then he feels horrible about it, and she thanks him for it later, which is very problematic. But at least you earn it morally in that movie to that discussion. Right. I mean, he and he and he gives the entire future of England and the world to her in the end because of it. The switch. Right. Right. Plus, the knife fight at the end is amazing. He's amazing. V is great. It's so sad at the end. Oh wow! Bitch love, Mister Anderson. <laughs> Maybe we should do the Matrix movies. Actually. Ooh. I I haven't done that since before I had a good microphone. I would do that. 
I would do that. I mean, I definitely am not into the second two as much as the first one, but I would do any of those. Actually, I do. Uh, I have all of the the Hobbit and I the, love Reloaded. I'm a huge critic also of Revolutions, but I do love Matrix Reloaded. Do you think it would have been better with Will Smith? As what? As Neo? No, 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 no. All the problems with Neo are bad writing by the Wachowskis with the stupid love story. Fucking Keanu Reeves is perfect. Oh, you think he's perfect? Yeah. Oh, I don't. That's part of his character is that he's more robotic than the machines he's fighting. That's the whole point. (laughs) No, it is. That is is actually the point. Oh, here we go. Again, people thought that these guys were racist because they sound Asian. I'm like, is it racist because they sound Asian? Doesn't that make you racist for saying it's racist for sounding Asian? Yes, they took sounds from other ethnicities. because Yeah, God forbid not everyone sounds English or American. Right, they gave them an accent different. So while the skinny... This is the best part. This is the best part. Yeah, the the droidicas are great. No more snakes on the motherfucking plane. This party's over. I wish they dropped down from the sky. This looks like John Carter. Have you ever seen any of John Carter? This looks exactly like John Carter. Yeah, I didn't like it. All right, so is that supposed to be a Sokatana? No, no, no. No, it's like we said, it's... It's another Targaryen? Togruta, yeah. Togruta? That's why they could build Ahsoka from the Togruta, though, because people had been familiar with the, the species. I always wondered if that... Because it would make sense that she's there. She just isn't his Padawan. Do you know what I mean? But they made her look like a fucking clown. Or they made that that one look like a fucking clown. I don't think so. I like the design. Uh, it's just darker face color. Yeah, if you go back to it, it, it was a little bit like, looked like Amidala type makeup. And then there's Kit. But your worries about Practical Ahsoka, I would argue the Togruta we've been seeing has been CGI. I actually think Practical Ahsoka will look less like a clown. I hope so. I hope she looks more like. Uh, Don't you worry. It's going to happen, buddy. A dark, buddy. Do a not dark, worry. a light, a light-skinned woman. There's no way Kathleen Kennedy and Dave Filoni and company are not getting Ahsoka in the business. Here we go. All right. All right. So, I, I look. I get this fight in principle. It's cool because of all the Jedi's, but they're still fighting robots and beat dumb beasts and aliens. Fine, but there's a whole army of Jedi, and like we've only known like seven of them up to this point do you know what i mean like they've been hinting at them from the last one right uh they like with the jedi council but the, no one there aren't any other jedis in action in one it's just qui-gon darth maul and obi-wan and then there's some scenes with other jedis in the jedi temple and then in this one so we've never seen more jedis in action than this point right here and that's a huge thing in the whole in the whole star wars universe like watching all these Jedis when there was an army of Jedis and they were all sorts of different colored lightsabers and they're all sorts of from different worlds. And, and like that, that was the point I thought, like, you know, you're, you're watching all these different ones exist. And, you know, this was the time when they did versus when we grew up, there were no more Jedis, you know, it was, it was, it was Luke, Obi-Wan and Yoda. It was, there was three. Now there's like, 
what, what, what does it look like? There's about a hundred there. That was awesome. Uh. <laughs> Bitch, I got my lightsaber. I mean, Jedi are self-proclaimed not warriors, and yet they're already acting like soldiers here, and they'll agree to a war at the end of this movie for the next movie. And it's right. all because of the dark virgins in Coruscant, which I'm not going to stop harping on ever because it's so blatantly true. Or, or we learn the Jedi really are bullshit from the beginning, but I don't think that's true. Whoop! Whoop! There goes Jango Fett. And now Boba what? Fett's all pissed. Like, we needed a motive for Boba Fett to become a fucking b- bounty hunter that does almost nothing in the other movies. It's so stupid. <laughs> what did I say? This is my favorite part. I see 3 po switching bodies. I-, I actually love that stuff. To me, that's way more interesting. There's one female Jedi. There's green and blue. It's not that many colors, man, other than Mace Window. <laughs> No, oh, that looked horrible, that alien. That was Kit. So, one theory I have is Phantom Menace ran over budget and he knew he wanted the third movie to be super epic and so this movie suffered because of actually didn't have as much money and time as he wanted. That's my that is my main theory in favor of Lucas. Lack oh, of money, lack of time. That's interesting. And he just put it together, and he, he wanted to come. Because, I mean, really, they just probably filmed straight through, right? What's interesting is, though, you would think, oh, Peter Jackson learned the lesson, and that's why he did all three uh, Lord of the Rings movies at the same time. But but they started principal photography in, in New Zealand a year or two before The Phantom Menace even came out for Lord of the Rings. So Peter Jackson already had a sense of what a, a, a turn-of-the-century... Um, uh, trilogy of fantasy sci-fi would be cost in, in, in terms of time and so forth. So they spent five years in New Zealand, essentially, for Lord of the Rings and nailed it much oh, better. Nailed it much that. better. Let's be honest. This is awesome now. So now it looks like, again, they're closing in on them. But look what happened. I'm specifically not looking at the fighting in the background because I know it'll look terrible. <laughs> Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. No, I'm just looking at the foreground. That's one that, thing that Braveheart, uh, by the way, doesn't get enough credit for. You've got, you've got thousands of soldiers pretending to fight each other. They all are, look like they're fighting each other, Braveheart. Okay, these guys look exactly like Cylons. Uh, the the yeah, new Cylons stole. from Battlestar. Yeah, they stole them. No, I think ba- Battlestar stole them. Maybe that's what you're saying. So, this was 2002. Died. The Battlestar miniseries with 03, 04. The original silence. Wait, wait, like so are, do you see any Jedi on the ground? Yeah, they're dead. I'm definitely going to have to watch Return of the Sith tonight to cleanse my palate of this. Right, old friends. It doesn't look 2D, but it does look 2.5D, if that makes sense. Right, right. Right? Oh, that guy looked like two tubes. Oh, here come the clones with Yoda, and this is the beginning. I mean, I, they, they're already agreeing to this nonsense. 
they're getting sucked into a war that they never wanted to be a part of. Started the Clone Wars have. And what's great about the Clone Wars TV series is they're actually super noble and very independently thinking, even though they're clones. It was a great touch in the Clone Wars animated series. And I also thought it was great how in the animated series that they were able to give them their own personalities by oh, doing yeah. these little, little tweaks in their helmets. To the point where they cut the chips out of their head so that they wouldn't turn against the Jedi when Order 66 came. Some of them, like Rex... Realized it, right. Dude, the relationship between Rex and Ahsoka epitomizes what could have been in the movies, but what was so great in the animated series, right? It's so sad. It, the whole thing is sad. And it actually goes back to what we were talking about, how yep. you know, watching certain non-human humanoids die, yep. like aliens and all those things. You know, it's there. Is it as that big of a deal? This scene is pretty cool, though. I just—that's a poster right there. All right, all right. Let's, but he's let's, killing a clone as bad as killing. Let's a talk human. lore from here till the end. Oh, I forgot there was more fighting. Jesus Christ. This looks good. He, he moves his mouth around so much when he talks. It's like... The thing no, is, in, in Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan actually starts giving him more of a hard time, even in a joking way, and the relationship rings much truer. I just think they didn't have the relation, they didn't have the chemistry. It just took two movies for Ewan McGregor and, and Hayden to have actual chemistry together. This is some pretty cool tech, though. Like his battle room. Oh my god, he sounds huh. Japanese. That's so racist. Whoa! We see shit like this in the Clone Wars. So, okay, so visually, the Clone Wars series is based on what goes on here. We see it's almost exhausting, right? How much clone battle we see in the Clone Wars. Yeah, it's just on and on and on. I do like the the discrepancies between like the the different colored uh, clones mm-hmm. and things like that in the rank and their armor is better than stormtrooper armor and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. Wow. But the, all of a sudden they have this army just, just available to them. So this is, yeah, this is the epitome of the clone wars, but like they forget that it wasn't one day. That alien looks terrible. That was kid. Something, he looks like that. We uh, keep getting more and more of Natalie's midriff somehow. I'm not sure how that keeps happening. Eh, you know, it's the only sex that's going <laughs> on. Yeah. The thing is, I, I, I make fun of Natalie midriff. The midriff is the least offensive part of the portrayal of her character in this movie. You know what's interesting? Like, it's like all of a sudden Yoda's like prepared to be a general. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of weird. Like, that's a whole other job. Like, I'm not saying, like, Master Yoda isn't the shit. And, like, but, like, all of a sudden he's, like, you know, organizing these clones. Like, I guess they're they're ready to go at some level. Yeah, they say, warriors, we are not. Protectors of the peace are the Jedi. And he's already fucking doing it. Right. He's already, like, you know, 
in charge running this war. I think if anything, this movie's too Star Trek. Uh, this feels like a Star Trek movie in terms of number of aliens and the weird colors and these control rooms and stuff. And I love Star Trek, but doesn't. Yeah. The ultimate weapon. But then you see the fucking Yavin 4 war room, you know, show up again in Rogue One with the hologram of the Death Star. And that's the only effect in the whole thing, and it's so affecting. Here, there's holograms all over the place. It just doesn't. It doesn't hit. This is cool. Uh, this isn't bad. This scene. Yep. Yeah, I think for me, I understand why you like the Jedi battle a lot. I get it. I get it. But for me, this this just looks better. For me, it's a little repetitive. Oh, like there's the Death Star siren. Oh, like at the end of Rogue One and the beginning of Hope. Mm-hmm. And he kills all those people very easily. And I am out. Excuse me, people. And they retreat, and that's that. I mean, there's not much more that happens. Except that I'm a doll. I'm alive. And I said all those things to Anakin. And now he's going to think, now. I mean, this shot here of the trooper and Yoda looks like it's straight from the Clone Wars. It looks, you know, the whole thing is CGI. It just, I think it works better in animated form. Maybe that was the big realization, was just that this all works better in animated form. And now the animation finally looks realistic enough to where you could, you could really do this, you know? I mean, that, that's what this is. This is literally the same thing. However, though, I fell asleep the other day, not the other day, a few months ago watching this. And, like, you wake up and you're, like, in the midst of this and, like, you feel like you're watching a a cartoon, you know? I mean, that's the other thing. The TVs are so good now, like, that it's hard to... I kind of wish my TV was a little shittier to to take away from the quality so it would look a little bit less fake. And it keeps switching back and forth, but... It's just it, it's funny because you look at episode one and you look at Jake Lloyd as little Annie and you're like, oh, this is clearly for the little boys. But in some ways, this is the movie for the little boys. There's actually some adult things going on in, in The Phantom Menace. The, Absolutely. This and feels there's, like there's the most kids movie. There's toys and aliens yeah. and just blah, 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 blah. But they always and say it's slaves the and genetics yeah. and yeah, yeah, force yeah. powers and yeah. Oh, come on. A little homage to, uh, um, what's it called? Jedi. She'll fight. She'll, she's fine on her own. They really I, want you, to catch Duke. Do you think Ob- the Obi-Wan from <laughs> uh, the Clone Wars would say the same thing? Just like, let her go, forget about her? It's a little harsh, but still, this was the point. You're not supposed to have feelings about people. Like you're supposed to be a part of this group and be unwilling, un, you know, unwavering. But she is. I just, I feel. So I don't know if you, if you, you probably haven't had a chance. But I did what I consider one of my best podcasts recently with Jedi Geek Girl, who loves Star Wars and 
always appreciated Rogue One, but she watched it for recently again for the first time in a while, and it like really emotionally affected her in a way she wasn't expecting. And I basically just interviewed her for ninety minutes about what what changed her mind so much about the movie. And it just had to do with feels. It had to do with emotions and feelings and, you know, Jin with her dad and the hologram and Saw and the crew. You know what I mean? Like, this movie doesn't make me feel anything other than occasional, like, oh, this is cool Star Wars action. Like, was there a moment in the movie where you really felt something for anything up to this point? And I think that's, they thought you'd get that from, no, I agree. I was just going to say that they thought you'd get that from the, the love affair with, with Anakin and, and Padme. But like the reality is it's bad, you know? So like you don't get that like feeling or that emotion. I mean, you do, you do get some like gung ho, like, you know, Obi-Wan's a badass. If, if there was going to be a movie, this was his movie. You know, this could have just been Obi-Wan if he wanted it to be. You know, this has a lot to do with him in this. But, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it just it just doesn't have to happen. And nor do you have much of a connection with anybody. <laughs> he just finished saying, I can't take him by myself. And he's stuck, you know, fighting him by himself because Anakin just ran in there like a bull in a china shop. Got knocked the fuck out. I love the episode of uh, Clone Wars late in the series where some of them are starting to realize that there might be like a chip in their head and they're malfunctioning and so forth. They really explore how fucked up that whole situation is. Right, when they start like uh, just killing people on accident or like they, they get, you know, I mean, disaster or whatever. The, the shooting of this fighting compared to Darth Maul in episode one, it's not even close. That was pretty awesome. I, I, I will say, after all these years, loving and hating and loving and hating Phantom Menace back and forth, now really liking again. The Obi-Wan Qui-Gon Darth Maul scene really holds up after 20 years. It's fantastic. It really does. However, the way Qui-Gon dies is kind of weak. He like tricks him on something well, like a, a mediocre move. Yeah, my interpretation is that actually that Qui-Gon, again with the Jedi, Qui-Gon is fighting like with no emotion so. because you're supposed to have no emotion as a Jedi. And so he loses because he doesn't have emotion. Whoop, there goes the arm. Um, and Obi-Wan then beats Maul because of his anger and emotion. It's the whole point of The Last Jedi in the new movies and series is that you can be a good light side Jedi and have emotion and actually use it towards your favor. Oh, here we go. You either, you either despise or love this scene if you're a watcher. So this, of course, is similar to Palpatine. Yeah, right. Throwing so stuff throw at Luke. At yeah. Or Vader. No, Vader. Sorry. I mean, th- this should be nothing for Yoda to do that sort of force control. 
Right. That was another observation, by the way, I had with Empire Strikes Back. When he lifts up the X-Wing to show Luke, that should be nothing for Yoda to lift up an X-Wing out of the swamp. Whoa! This is just... Oh, my God. It's so bad. Is it possible, Simi, that I'm just putting everything I don't like about all the other movies onto this movie unfairly, and that's what's going on? No, no, there's not a lot of content in it. Like, this is all right. Again, this is the first time you're going to see Yoda ever fight, which is kind of cool. Just, like, watching how he hops around and shit. Um, But it's very similar to what they do with uh, Palpatine. That's a good shot. Yeah. They always know how to shoot Yoda. Even when it's a CGI Yoda, they know what angles to shoot him from. The problem with CGI Yoda is he has too much definition in his face than the puppet. They went too far. They should have left it less definition in the in the face. That was the whole point of the puppet. It always looks great when the, the, the saber glows off his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like again, yeah, if if you good. don't watch the pre, if you don't watch the prequels and the Clone Wars and the extended canon, all that stuff, why would you care about Count Dooku? Honestly, and I didn't at the time. Oh, this is how he gets away. I was trying to remember. Yep, convenient call back to the x-wing i think i saw revenge of the sith just because in the theater because i heard it was better than expected and i wanted to see the darth vader transition and so forth but I, at this point to me i had given up on star wars again between not even caring about fantasy and sci-fi that much but also having lord of the rings and the matrix and so forth i i, I gave up and it's a good time to talk about it because we're almost at the end here and then the stupid marriage scene i had basically given up from star wars so from this moment in 2002 until the announcement of force awakens in 2013 or 2014 i basically gave up on star wars honestly man i I, i'm just i'm not trying to be sour grapes here that's just or bitter that's just the truth i barely went to go see revenge yeah me too you know i didn't go on the opening day i didn't even plan to it was more of a whim i'm like let's go see a movie oh yeah i'd been meaning to see it I knew I was going to go see it at some point, but it wasn't like, you know, this this dying urge like I had for the first two. Because I, I really liked the first one. Not really liked. I liked the first one. I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was amazing. But I thought it was good. And the second, this one, I didn't, I just didn't love. I mean, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head and you're helping me articulate it a little bit more. It's because it really lacks um, gener- genuine emotion like uh, to like latch onto and um, then there's just a little too much, uh, um, you know, cheesiness and then a little bit too much far-fetched world reaching, you know, CGI stuff. So, mm. you know, you shave a half an hour off this movie, you have a watchable movie and it's, it's pretty decent. Where, where are they right now? Geonosa. No, cause they were flying. From it, isn't that, this is a Geonosan ship. Oh, I don't know. No, this is um, 
This isn't. It's not Dathomir. It's not Coruscant. Is it some weird part of Coruscant? Yeah. It's funny, the Emperor, dude. Uh, talking to younger Star Wars fans, they they didn't know in the first movie that Sidious was Palpatine. It's hilarious. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's oh my god, thing. that realization in three was probably pretty cool for them. Then. I think they knew by the second one. Uh, right, here it is. It doesn't feel right. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> here we go. See now they start to know. Like something's wrong. Like how are we getting like why are we getting any of this shit? They never are they say how can they not suspect Palpatine? It makes no sense. They they literally could, <clears throat> could just add a few lines of being suspicious of him and still the result be the same. You're sitting on a Sith temple, Yoda. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> I mean, this looks well, straight from Clone Wars. Army. I mean, Clone Wars looks better than out. this. Clone Wars looks better than this. No, it's true. Especially better than that. Yeah. This looks better animated than it does as shoddy CGI. Uh, I love the, the six-legged uh, walkers. That's cool. like a spider walker and they give almost no justification for the joining of the jedi to this war there's bail organa looking like a spanish prince from 1603 (laughs) latin looking motherfucker (laughs) i just don't think they had to do this i mean is that greedo no no, I'm you roadie and racist. racist. I think, I think, Here we go. I think, Sorry, I'm turning this up. I love this music. Uh, and they get married in secret. And their witnesses are droids. See, they were ahead of their time, too. They're supposed to be human witnesses or humanoid witnesses, not droids. Oh, <laughs> creepy. It's like Sarah Connor and, and we should- the Terminator. <laughs> We should do a top five creepiest moments of this movie. There are so many. We'll just like vote on them. We'll think of 10 of them and we'll like vote on the top. This five. is why I end up not hating the movie. Cause it ends on the g- most glorious musical theme ever. Match page. Find me a fun. What's she wearing? Above is, I want this to be Jen and Cassian's theme, not their theme. Oh, they stole it. Well, Simi Klimo, that is a bad movie. I'm sorry. I've tried this. I've done a commentary before. I've tried to rewatch it. I've tried to talk to other people about it whose opinion I respect. This is just a straight up bad movie. That happens to be in the Star Wars universe. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. It's just, but I think you hit the nails on the head. Like it just doesn't have content. It's just a lot of filler and there's some cool scenes and there's some cool parts, but the storyline is pretty bad. And, uh, the cheese is just all over the place that you're just drowning in it. 
I mean, as much as it's taking me a while to come back to the prequels, and we'll, we won't do too much of a wrap up here, but let's just take, take me a while to come back to the prequels. I have to say, having rewatched them, episode one, Phantom Menace, and episode three, uh, Revenge of the Sith, are closer in quality in my mind to uh, episode seven and eight than this movie. Like, yes, I think I the I think jump from the jump and my, my fans are either going to love me or hate me for saying this. The jump from The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi to uh, Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith is less of a jump than from all of those movies to this piece of absolute shite. It's just sad. It's just uh, it's frustrating. I think it really hurt the franchise. We might be at the heart of, of, it did. of the problem. Right it there. did. The fact that the fact that, that that Revenge of the Sith did recover with almost nine hundred million dollars after this was great. Uh, by the way, first assistant director James McTeague. I believe that's the guy who did V for Vendetta um, and, and was the Wachowskis' first director. I got to look that up real quick. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I guess in hindsight, we have to say that this was just a freak bad thing and not emblematic of any, of anything. And maybe it was the money thing that you were saying. Maybe it was time and money and like he put his uh, put more into the first and the third. By the way, James like- McTeague, who was the first assistant director, directed Dark City, which is amazing. Assisted director on the Matrix trilogy, this movie, and then was the lead director on V for Vedetta. So, and was a major director for the Wachowskis on Sense8 on Netflix, which people love. So, that is an interesting connection. And apparently, he formed some sort of professional relationship with Natalie. And when he was like, hey, I'm going to save your career with one of the coolest comic book adaptations ever with V, v for Vendetta. Seriously. Seriously. I might start watching that right I now. I know. It, and it's on Netflix. And it's fucking glorious. I like it came back. It was off Netflix. Do you know what's crazy is when V for Vendetta came out, man, in 2005, and we'll we'll close this thing out. When V for Vendetta came out in 2005, it was accused of being like blatantly anti-Bush, but now in hindsight, it's actually anti-Trump and was like 12 years ahead of its time. It's more of an anti-Trump movie than an anti-Bush movie. Uh, in terms of the, the the propaganda and the types of leaders and you know the way immigrants are treated and so forth, um, very ahead of its time. An amazing Natalie performance. All right, man. Final thoughts. Take away from this movie. I feel bad. I said I would let you take the grains, but I just could not help myself with what is an insult to the Star Wars franchise and, and don't understand what people love about this movie. Go ahead. Yeah, it was just. It just had left a lot to be desired. I mean, it was just was all over the place. Uh, there was no true direction. They wasted time after time after time. Um, it was just frustrating. Uh, I just wanted it to be something more. Um, and, it, you know, this is maybe what, like I was saying, this might be the root of the problem. But I'm glad we watched it. I enjoyed our time together, as as always. Um and uh, I look forward to doing Jedi with you next. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's on our. Um, it's the last one, man. Our list. It's the last one. 
this is it. I Dude, mean, this is it. Other than Solo, I mean, when Solo comes out, we'll do that commentary. But fucking Return of the Jedi by total accident has been saved for last, and I cannot wait because I love every second of that movie. I do too, and I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be great. So we, and then uh, I was liking some of our other ideas that you were talking about. That's not a, that's not a horrible pl- plan for. Oh, yes. um, for maybe some Lord of the Rings or some yes. uh, Matrix. Yes, we, uh, we can definitely talk about that stuff. Um, and dude, but we're going to be getting more announcements soon about the TV series, the cartoons, the movies. So I'm really looking forward to because you there. Yeah, Siri just activated by accident. That happens sometimes when um, people <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, Solo was is the lowest grossing Star Wars film of any generation by like a long shot. So it'll be interesting to see what they take from it. But I loved it, you know? And so if that's the worst thing they put out, we're in great shape. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I can't complain. I can't complain Awesome, dude. Well, I know we had some technical difficulties. I'm glad we made this happen. Um <laughs> I'm still, I, I, God, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it because it just, it doesn't even make sense. Like even for bad Lucas, this was so bad. So I don't I know. I mean, we tracked through it. We did the best we could. We did. We did. Uh, you know, and uh, I think it's. Uh, and we it's love Natalie and we love Ewan and that's the important part. Exactly. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime, not Netflix. Yeah. But yeah, it's still out there for free V for Vendetta. Oh, yeah. All right, dude. All right, dude. Well, well, maybe we'll do a commentary awesome. for that movie, dude. That would be a great fucking uh, uh, way to wash this down, especially with James McTeague and Natalie Portman's involvement. So give that movie a watch and maybe we'll do a commentary about that. That's super relevant. DC Comics. DC Comics. Yeah, dude. All right, people. Well, thank you so much. Vertigo, right. Thank you, Simi, for even taking this on with me. You know, every challenge deserves a beer. So uh, (laughs) this was fun, buddy. Yeah, you too, man. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you, BizzleCast listeners. If you made it this far, got more content coming at you soon. Just remember the world, the rebellion builder. The Bizzle's got a whole new set of website online presence merchandise going on um having to do with the rebellious spirit of star wars in this day and age which we need so badly i will tease that more to come there soon thank you simmy thank you bizzlecast listeners and we are out